All the leaves are brown. And the sky is gray. I have been for a walk. I've been for a walk. On a winter's day. On a feels like winter's day. I'd be safe and warm. I'd be safe and warm. If I was in L.A. I was just in L.A. California Travis. California Travis. On such an episode of Late to the Party with Travis Tate. On episode 54 of Late to the Party with Travis Tate. There you go. I forgot to sneak the 54 in there. I was in the studio. The mamas and the papas. That was. You remember that movie, 54? Uh, I never saw it. I know Mike Myers was in it. It's about Club 54, right? Uh, yes. I do. I did see it, and I only remember a very specific line of Mike Myers that's not, <laughs> not fit to repeat. That was when Mike Myers was trying to uh, step outside of the, the comedy of, yeah. realm. He was trying to Jim Carrey it. Do you think he... I can... I guess, looking back... So there was... I mean, there was that. I can't think Every of, comedian wants to be Robin Williams, I guess. Yeah. But Robin Williams actually was able to pull it off. Jim Carrey, I don't buy. I mean, I think we're talking about this actor. like... Um, uh, what's it called? Mike uh, Myers as well. Um, I keep wanting to say it's always like That's not what it is. Uh, the... <laughs> Oh my gosh, I got stuck on It's Always Sunny. We'll come back to that. All but right. there is one show, there is one movie of his that I think is exceptionally good. That's the Eternal Sh- Sunshine yes, of the Spotless gosh. Mind. I got stuck on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, so in close, though. Yeah, That'd be a Eternal, funny mashup. Look, they're both sun related. Okay? That's true. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is a very good movie. And I never saw that pretty one. Pretty good either. in it. It's a little uh, weird. The list but, of know. movies that I have never seen. Hey, look, man, we're both in that lane. <laughs> we're both totally in, the, totally in that lane. I um, I got a. I don't know if it was I saw the tweet or I got an email from Netflix of like, check out what we've put on, and they're like, we've got Into the Spider Verse, and I'm just thinking, to, I'm like, oh really? Yeah. Oh, cool. It, like, yeah, but I'm also in a place now where, uh, my streaming services, I need them to pitch me movies that like, are good. Good enough that I want already. to see, but I never was, I I was never you know enthusiastic enough to go out to a theater or buy the movie. I'll be honest, I kind of go to Amazon Prime for that. I I've been stuck on trying to catch up with a lot of series, so I've been mm-hmm. like, you know maybe I'm maybe I'm playing myself right now, and maybe uh-huh. maybe Blind Fury is out there on a service somewhere. I do not know about Blind Fury. Oh, you don't know Blind Fury. I don't remember. I don't remember that. I want to say it was a '90s film. Rutger Hauer is a blind samurai. Definitely didn't see that. Oh, I, you know, I saw it at the time. I haven't seen it since, and I kind (laughs) of want to revisit it and see if a blind Rutger Hauer samurai is as bad as it sounds, (laughs) or if it's still a fun watch. I always see on uh, Prime. There's always like some fun '80s, like comedies that either Mm -hmm. you haven't seen for a while or. Or you never saw, you know, like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is on. That's one I oh, never boy. saw. Is that uh, is that new movie the 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 two women uh, uh, Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson? Is that supposed to be Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? Yes. yes. Okay. It's basically a remake of it. Then why didn't they just call it Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? I don't know. Because if they did, people would have had a, a hissy fit, just like. Oceans movie and just like the Ghostbusters, so they probably just but I mean, different. It's basically are, the are, same story, so it, it's it, an ode well, to it, I guess. I, I actually think it, I, I'm kind of interested in seeing it, yeah. I, I want to see it too, but I want to see the original. I just remember like certain parts of the original. I've seen 
scenes there's from only, but not there's, the whole movie. There's only one scene from the original that I remember. When they're eating and yes. uh, Steve Martin has cork the, on the fork. cork on the fork. That's all I remember from. <laughs> I, I think I was too, when I saw it, I was too young to appreciate what the rest of the movie was. So I, I think that's one I might want to revisit. So when, when I was at Fan X and I went and watched the uh, John Cleese panel, Somebody asked him, "Was there any uh, movies that you turned down that you regret?" And apparently, he was offered the role that Michael huh. Michael Caine played in that, that movie. And he's like, I, "I always have regretted that I didn't work with Steve Martin in that movie, but I just he just couldn't do it because of his personal life or something like." Hmm. I can his see marriage that. was not in good shape or something like to that yeah. effect. So he couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm I'm interested in seeing that that Rebel Wilson one, and uh, I could. I should go back and watch actual Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Honestly, I'd be even more interested in the movie if they had been cleared. This is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I'd be like, oh, right. I want to see how they're doing that. Yeah, I watched the trailer for that. It does look funny. Yeah. I yeah. think Rebel Wilson's funny myself. So I'm kind of coming around to Rebel Wilson. I mean, she's she is kind of like always the same character, but... Yeah. At this point, she's she just seems super likable. You know I, I think I mean? that's it. I think uh, initially, I think yeah, just like you said, initially, I was a little turned off by the the she's you know the, doing this character overblown like that's what she is and everything. But you're right, she's exceptionally charming and yeah. I'm in her court now. You root for her. I'm on her side. I'm on your side. Yeah. Hellboy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, I I let that one pass me by. I couldn't. I couldn't. You never do went it. saw it. Me I neither. couldn't do it. I didn't either. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll see I'm, it. I'll see it from Redbox. Probably. Yeah, I'm gonna probably Redbox. <laughs> Redbox for the Red Man. Yep. Uh, it it saddens me, but you know, what are you, what are you gonna do, Trav? They can't all be winners. Do? No, they can't. They can't. Uh, I saw a clip for Doom Patrol the other day. Oh yeah. Did you see the Flex Metallo clip? No, I haven't hardly seen any clips. While Which, by the way, I am pretty sure Donnie the Street is a character. <laughs> uh, so they have this character named Flex Metallo. Okay. Who see? I'm not up on DC. I know I've heard the name before. He's like a bodybuilder who something to do with flexing his muscles can trigger emotions or physical things in people what i know is in the clip he's got a comic book and he's holding it out and he says focus on the white space i don't know what he's supposed to get them to do he goes focus on the white space and he flexes and everyone in the on the street immediately convulsively orgasms <laughs> and uh brendan fraser's character the robot man is incapable of it and he looks around and sees that he's the only one doing anything so he starts faking it and, um, and and then on a on a uh, marquee on the movie theater, it starts going across saying, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah." So it's so. basically Thor. Is that what? Well, I, that's like really what happened when when everybody goes to see a Thor movie. Oh well, yes, no, it it's like someone who can for realsies do that, I guess. <laughs> so I'm kind of on like I I, I want to check out Doom Patrol. I've seen a few clips where it's like this is a really weird show, and I think I'm on board for this. Nice yeah, song. I mean they're they're trying something different. Saw the so. dude in the swamp thing outfit, and that looks cool. Yeah, I just don't know how. I mean, they ended up cutting like three episodes, so they had to like tie it up faster. Swamp thing? Yeah. Why they cut three episodes? I don't know. Weird. I think they originally ordered ten and ended up doing like seven or something like that. I'm not sure. I mean, in in the wake of the Game of Thrones thing, I'm I'm one. I'm I'm back and forth on like I like a short. I like a short season. Like I uh, I blew through Barry. 
Barry is way good, and it's 22-minute episodes, and I think it's like a seven or eight-episode season. See, Barry loved it. Barry bugs me, and this is why, because I had an idea to do a story about a an assassin comedian that goes town to town and kills people. I mean, like for the government, and that's basically kind of what Barry is. He's an actor, though, not a comedian, but. That's not that's not it's entirely little, what it is. Oh, really? It's more like he's an assassin who's kind of burned out, and he's sent to do a kill in L.A. And while he's doing it, he kind of stumbles into an acting class and kind of oh. gets kind of gets <clears throat> uh, brought into the scene hmm. and realizes like, oh, this is giving me purpose in life. So, like the series is him trying to kind of extricate himself from this like. Oh. Contract killer world while not letting the people in the acting class know that that's who he is. With a lot of other intrigue and hijinks. I don't want to ruin any of it. Henry Winkler is so good in it. Henry Winkler is good in everything. But he's just so good in this. Is he? I mean, Henry Henry Winkler, in a sort of Rebel Wilson fa- fashion, is he is just so likable. He's oh, so like, And the, yeah. this is no different, but he's just also, there's like a little bit of next level to what he's doing in this. Stephen Root's amazing in it. Bill Hader's great in it. Like, everybody's great in it. Way to go, everybody. Way to go, people in Barry. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, but also part of why it's attractive to me is, man, I just cooked right through it. Mm. Yeah, short episodes makes a difference. That's one thing, like, I think one of the reasons you may have gotten burned out on the Umbrella <clears throat> Academy is it's a legit 60-minute episode because there's no commercials. Because it, yeah. it wasn't filmed for TV. It was filmed yeah. for Netflix. So when you when you're watching it on Netflix, it's 44 minutes generally. Mm-hmm. But when it's a full hour, it really does add up and kind of compound almost, upon each other. Was it was was it 10 episodes? Umbrella Academy was. I want to. Yeah, I think it was 10. Right? Something. I was going to say if they cut effect. it up into more episodes, but you know, you double that at 20 episode seasons, pretty big. It's too much. Yeah. So I don't know, but the similar like. The finale of Game of Thrones, especially the last few episodes, I mean, being someone who's not really watching it, the pretty general feel I got was you have this huge eight-season spanning thing that it feels like a lot of really big stuff just happens right at the very end. And I think that comes from that the show was really kind of you know, put into a much smaller package toward right. the end. You know what the biggest problem with all this stuff that people are unhappy with? Uh, you know, the way that DC movies go, or they didn't like how Captain Marvel's story was told, or they didn't like Star Wars, or they didn't like Game of Thrones. It's because instead of just watching and consuming the media, we're all creating the media in our heads. And when it doesn't go the way we wanted it to, then we're upset like we've been cheated. <clears throat> that is definitely a bad person. Um, the type of people who are doing the dumb, uh, you know, petitions and things like that. Right. But they're I, not going to redo the last season of Game of Thrones, people. Just like they're not going <laughs> to redo the last Star Wars movie, people. Get over it. Uh, I think I think there's a space where you could watch, like, if you've watched a show for eight years, and. You know, I mean, character arcs are established. So when a character does something out of the blue, there there has to be context behind it. I have, I have a challenge for people. If you don't like something, go create your own stuff. Did you see, I posted on my Facebook, I think it was two days ago, there somebody kind of recut 
a modernized version of Obi-Wan Kenobi versus Darth Vader fight. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't watch that. I, and that's part it's of it. It's really like, cool. I but would, you know what? That's somebody that, that put in work and time and invested money in, and they redid it. And it's really fun to watch. And it, it doesn't... I mean, the original version's fine and everything. It doesn't take away from that. That still exists. But the fact that these people went and redid it, instead of complaining about it, they're like, wouldn't it be fun if we made this fight so it seemed like it could fit in the modern movies. And it, I mean, obviously they didn't have Lucasfilm type money or Disney money. So there's some limitations, but what they did was really cool. And it was really fun to watch. Well, I think in that you run the risk of the very wrong people, you know, think about the people, think about if the, you know, 500,000 people who petitioned to have game of Thrones, Right, the ending they want were the people who five hundred thousand got together to, you know, make something. Right, or the great masses of people who think that Marvel has this SJW agenda to, uh, you know, if all those people get in mass and start making art, that's bad. But I'm saying, get out there and do it and put it out there. And when people start criticizing you because your stuff sucks, guess what? It's not very fun, is it? But I mean, it's easy to criticize other people's stuff when you're not willing to put yourself on the line. That's what I'm saying. Where's the where's the wiggle room to be critical? Like, I mean, part (laughs) of the enjoyment that I gain from things is that if something if something you know, I'm I'm never I'm never going to chase down, uh, you know, uh, I mean, again, having not watched it, I'm not going to chase down the makers of Game of Thrones and say you guys suck. Here's what you did. But I enjoy talking about it in a way of I feel. I feel like the you know character X doing character or this X was maybe not well set up. Here's here's I think where the line gets gets crossed. It's fine to say I didn't like it. It wasn't for me. This is why. That's fine. But when you start to demonize people or say everything you've ever done is garbage or well certainly yeah I mean when you start to make it personal and it starts to become about you instead of about the media you know what i mean i think that's think that's where it changes yeah oh, the, you know that's the the toxic behavior that we're constantly right. it's, railing it's fine against. not to like something there's lots of things i don't like i just kind of don't really give them a whole lot of attention if i don't like them you know what i mean it's not it's, worth it i'd rather uh, talk about stuff that i like it's like i was telling you earlier of uh not watching Game of Thrones, but following you know following the story through spoilers and stuff. It was fun to be part of the discussion, even if like it was definitely something I knew I wouldn't have liked. It was fun to be part of the discussion, mm-hmm. not not like you know again. It, it helps that not watching it, I never really lit on fire about it because I was pretty indifferent to it. But just I'd read these things and go, "Ooh, that that sounds that sounds like a weird way to go." <laughs> so you know, I don't know. It is what it is. Trav. Yes. Let's address the elephant in the room. Tell me about California, man. Well, it was a great productive trip. I'm glad I did it. I'm already like thinking about when I can go back down again, to be honest. How many sets did you end up doing? Um, um, I'm trying to count. Oh, well. Uh... Five, six, seven, something. something. That's good. Yeah. So (laughs) how many did you plan on doing? Um, The only one... You you just had the mentality of you were going to do as many as you can, but how many... 
Did, did you do better than you thought you were going to do? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. The only one originally I had planned for sure was headlining at the Madhouse Comedy Club in San Diego. I don't, I don't know if you can even answer. How many did you think? Like, going into the California trip, did you have an idea of like, oh, if I get this many and I think I've done pretty good? Or is that just, you were just in the mindset of, I'm just going to do everything I can? Yeah, that was that was basically it, especially in L.A. I had zero booked in L.A. before I got down there. Yeah. So I ended up uh, Thursday, I drove down straight to San Diego. How was the drive? The drive was actually pretty great until you get off of I-15, you know, where you can either go, uh, I think it's like to 215 toward Riverside or keep going on I-15. Anyway, when you come out of that canyon after Victorville, when you're heading south, it I hit traffic. Wow. <laughs> Although it was pretty much took me about three and a half to four hours to get to San Diego, which wasn't ideal, but it is what it is. Uh, but I got there, I did a I did a set at the Madhouse that night, and that was just a short set. I wanted to like get a feel for the venue California and, experience. Yeah, and uh, Brian and Mateen who booked that on Thursdays were nice enough to let me do a set the week before I headlined. So. You know, I could get a feel of what it was like, and it's it's really cool. It's it's it, it, uh, the building used to be a Hard Rock Cafe, <laughs> so it's got like the same wood and the same like color. The walls are painted the same color that Trolley Square was. It's like Hard Rock definitely had a style. Oh, okay. Because that the Trolley Square Wise Guys was a Hard Rock before it was a Wise Guys, so it kind of had a familiar feel to it. It had this really cool stained glass dome ceiling that was really awesome. My touchstone for that is uh, the 49th Street Galleria over the iteration of all the things that became <laughs> still like all right. the, all the uh, streets. The I guess, cobblestone. The, the cobblestone and like yeah. all of the little manhole things they had still had 49th Street Galleria stuff on it. Yeah, that place is cursed, man. Well, it's some weird... It's always something it's different. It's some weird maybe religious college. I can't figure out what yeah, that is. Yeah, I don't know is. what it is. Yeah. I'm not sure what it is either. Anyway, so I drove down Thursday, did a, did a set at the Madhouse. That was a ton of fun. Uh, there was 100-plus people there. and uh, So uh, Brian and Mateen were on that. And then Maria Herman, who who booked stuff down there, was on that show too. She's from Australia. Oh. Yeah. So And she actually booked me the next night to be on her show, which it's called Comedy Heights. And it kind of has a rotating... It does like Fridays at one night, Saturday at one night, and then every once in a while they'll do a Thursday show. Anyway, the, the night I did it, it was at Bay Bridge Brewing in Chula Vista. So, and it was on a Mexican Mother's Day. It was like the day before. Or no, it was two days before. It was Friday instead of Sunday. I didn't know they got a separate one. Well, I guess they have it in Mexico. So oh. it was it was packed. It was full of people and it was a good time. And that show went really well as well. Then the next day I got up, I drove to drove to L.A. And met with uh, Jacob Lee and Patrick Ramirez, my friends that yeah. have moved down there. Got to hang out with them. Went How are they to, doing? They're doing good. Yeah. They're, they've are they already, like, Patrick's been down there for a few years. He's got a, he's got a nice groove going. He's doing a comedy probably almost every night, it seems like. Oh. Good times. He, he's got nice. stuff lined up, and Jacob's already into the swing of things. He's only been there a month, and he's already figuring stuff out. So I'm pretty happy for both of them, and it was it was cool to hang out for with them for a week. 
So we went out, uh, that was what, Saturday night? You're already trying to sell Penny on moving to California? Uh, I mean, she's up for it. <laughs> she, yeah. She's more trying to sell you there's, on it. <laughs> there's not much of a sell there. It's, it's just a matter of when we'll do it, I think. Oh. I think we'll probably move down there eventually. But uh, that night, went to Flappers. It's in Burbank. Yeah. And uh, tried to get on the open mic there. Failed. All three of us, none of us got on. That was, I was like, come on, not one of us? So didn't get on there. How did, how did they sort that on who got on and who Oh, didn't? the interesting thing in L.A. is pretty much everything is a, is a drawing. It's a, it's a raffle right huh. on site. Oh, okay. So you have to buy something like food or a drink or something like that, and they give you a ticket. And you write your name on the ticket, and then you put the ticket in the in a little picture, and then they just draw them out as the show goes along. So you could just keep buying plates and put more tickets in? I or? think there's one night where you can save them up and do a bunch, but I think on that night it was just one. How was the food? Uh, I mean, it was... Just food? <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was, it was fine. It, but uh, So none of us got on that night. It was kind of a bummer, but we still got to hang out. One thing I did notice... Uh, Open mics are pretty terrible everywhere you go. <laughs> okay. Just because somebody says, yeah, I'm an L.A. comic. Yeah. Unless you're at uh, the comedy store or the improv, you know, one of the top clubs and you're like a, a regular there, you're just like everybody else. <laughs> uh, that's one thing I learned. Yeah. Because especially for open micers. There's, here's what I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I saw crappy people or anything like that, but there's a process to getting good at uh, comedy that you can't skip a step no matter where you're at, if that makes sense. It's going to take seven years to get decent. And then another three, when you hit 10 to be good, and then you just gain and gain and gain on top of that, but you can't skip just because you're in LA doesn't mean you're going to instantly be at three years instead of at six months. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, that was just a good reminder for me, like, oh, yeah, you, you suck no matter where you start. And I, I would never want to start in L.A. That's rough because it's, it's just going to open mics and you pay to get in, you pay for parking, and you sit there and hope your name gets drawn. <laughs> and if it doesn't, you just kind of go away bummed out. Hmm. Like, people complain about the the way it's set up here at Wise Guys in Salt Lake, the open mic, what they do is they email, and then by Tuesday at least, at the latest, they get an email saying whether or not they're going to get a, a, a set, a so three-minute set. Is Wise Guys is pretty generous compared to the California yeah, style. Yeah, well, people are complaining. Well, I haven't gotten on in like three weeks. Well, guess what? They're getting 100-plus emails. You're not going to get on every week. Is there any? I don't go every week. I only go like once every two months. Is it is it different at all that, say, maybe in California there's a lot more comedy clubs versus here in Salt Lake there's, you know, there's wise guys. There is a lot more like comedy a, a clubs. sprinkling of a couple of other clubs, but mostly it's. But there's a lot more comics there too, so it's yeah, it's so very it's a very similar down. ratio probably. Okay. So and there there's tons more open mics and stuff down there, but they're not good. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, if you're a local comic and you're listening to this in Salt Lake. Quit your bitching, because at least you don't. You, if you don't want to go there because you're not going to get a set, you didn't waste your night. You didn't stand in a line and you didn't sit there through the whole show hoping you get drawn out and then you don't and then you go home disappointed. You, you at least know ahead of time 
it wasn't your week, so you don't have to go if you don't want to. Yeah. And the, the reason they do that is so people will go there and buy stuff and sit through the whole show. Like at a, um, Sunday night, we went to the improv open mic. Yeah. And it's a similar setup. You throw your name in, and then you sit there through the whole show. And uh, one thing they do to keep you there so you don't leave is at the end of the show, they draw a name out, and you get an automatic uh, set the next week. So that'll keep everybody there so they're, they're still a crowd. Yeah. But again, I, I went with two other people that night. None of us got on that night either. <laughs> so I was like, this, this is not working. So then uh, Monday came around. Wait, was that Sunday? That was Sunday. Monday came around, and I was very lucky. I was able to get a spot at the comedy store on the, the potluck open mic. It's three minutes. But you know what? It was in the middle of the show. Uh, the guy that books the club was sitting there watching, taking notes. I didn't talk to him afterward because I was told, <laughs> don't talk to him. Don't bother him until you've done it a couple times and then go ahead and introduce yourself. Hmm. So, but my set, I was really happy with how my set went. Felt good? Yeah. Yeah. And like the host afterward was like, all right, that's how you do it. Now it feels like a show. Now oh, I've got hey. some energy here. So yeah, the fact that. that the fact that he said that with the guy sitting in the back of the, the books, you know, Everybody from Joe Rogan to Michelle Wolf and stuff like that. I mean, that was that was pretty cool. Nice, very nice. So that went well, and then uh, yeah, you uh, you texted me last week. You know, <laughs> work, you know, just nose to the grindstone. And he said, "I got to set up the comedy store." I'm like, "Man, great!" <laughs> yeah, and then I was like, "Oh, I hope I didn't just jinx it." Because <laughs> before I left, I ended up uh, I was going to do. Carlos Mencia's podcast. He wanted me to do his podcast. Wow, that would have been and that would have been a good boost for you too. Yeah, it it just didn't end up working out. So I, I did do sets on his shows. He felt bad that it, it didn't work out. He was having technical difficulties getting it going. Mm-hmm. He's never done it on on site on the road before, so it took a while. Well, you still got to do some good sets yeah. with him. Yeah. And I ended up doing. Uh, I was supposed to. I thought just kind of hold the microphone for people in the crowd asking Jason Muse questions because he's always traditionally when he's been here done like Q and A's. A lot of Q and A. Yeah. It, but, uh, he, when he got to the club, uh, he goes, Oh yeah, I don't do that anymore, man. I, I just tell stories and do stand up now. So I'll do that for like an hour. So if you would just want to do like a, a half hour up front, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. So off the top of my head, I did a half an hour. <laughs> Before go? Jason Muse, really good. How, yeah. how the was crowd, Jason Muse? No, he was he was really good. Yeah, the crowd loved him. Yeah. He was as polished as you would think he would be this this far in. He's he's really he's gotten really good. So nice enough yeah. guy. Oh yeah, he's really nice. Oh good, good. Yeah, it was just a, a miscommunication on what what was going to be happening with the show. Sure but yeah, happens. yeah, he was he was perfectly nice. But yeah, just off the top of my head, doing a half hour was that was pretty cool. I saw your buddy Margaret Cho's coming to town. All right, cool. <laughs> anyway, back to California. So, uh, I Sarah Tiana got me a gig. Uh, it was after doing the uh, the comedy store, the potluck open mic, and I had to leave pretty much right after my set. So I left, and I drove to Manhattan Beach and did a 
show out there called Poncho's. It's at a Mexican restaurant called Poncho's. Okay. Really cool Mexican restaurants. Like Did decorate you have the food. Yeah. Was it I, good? Well, I had a. I didn't want to eat too much. I had a quesadilla that had. Um, artichoke hearts and mushrooms in it it was really good good. yeah i I recreated it monday night i also added shrimp (laughs) in there at home so and it was it was pretty good but that was really good but um so it's just kind of it's a weekly show they do out there and uh i guess some like sarah does it she's done it like i don't know five or six times and that's that's how she kind of referred me to do that and uh, ali wong ended up dropping in and doing a set which was pretty insane because yeah. she's like super huge uh, comedian star, Ali Wong. She pregnant just again, dro- as far as I know. She only does specials I when she's pregnant. didn't ask, <laughs> but, but it did not appear. Travis, next time you run into her, you need to stop her and ask. It did not appear that she was. I mean, it was it was pretty evident. Nobody said, don't bother Ali, but it was pretty evident, like, don't bother Ali. You know? I, I imagine... As a comic, you kind of... you. I imagine in, in L.A., Right. Like if you if you kind of open the door to letting people talk to you, right? There's just going to be too many people. Like number one, I mean, you're going to have a lot of people who just genuinely want just want to be genuine with you, and it's going right. to be hard to hard to kind of uh, number one get to everybody, but also maintain energy for everybody. <laughs> right. But even on, a layer on top of that is you're going to have a lot of people who have no respect for boundaries. Oh, for sure. And she was, I mean, she came in, she said hello to everybody. Like all the comics were all just kind of standing there. And then she pretty much went up the next comic and crowd went nuts and she did great. And then she came off and we all just kind of said, Hey, great job. And she's like, Oh, thank you all very much. And then she just, you know, she had somewhere to be, but it was was pretty cool. Grappling hook out of her hand. Yeah. Shot it up and (laughs) off into the night. Yeah. You know, she was perfectly nice, and she was very funny, and it cool. was it was a really cool experience. Really cool. But it was a it was a really cool gig, like, and uh, it was right off the beach. It was <laughs> problem is when I got there, it was pretty dark, so I couldn't really see the beach very much. But it looked like a really nice beach down there, Manhattan Beach. You to kind of enjoy but, California, or was it mostly just a you know pound the streets, get the job done kind of trip? Honestly, the only beaches I saw in San Diego, I went to Mission Beach at the beginning of the trip and at the end of the trip and then Manhattan beach. But it was a lot of time in Hollywood. Like, uh, what did I do Tuesday night? Oh, so Monday night after, after the, the gig at ponchos and that went really well too. Like I went late in the show because the guy that runs it, Dano, he was like, I, I'm sorry, but I got to put you on late. I don't really know. you. I know Sarah recommended you, but I, I don't really know. And I'm, I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. I have nowhere to be. Yeah. So it's cool. So then I went up you're and just, I did. You're just I did. Happy to get anything. Yeah, and I and I had a really good set. And he was like, "Whoa, dude! Next time you come down here, let me know, and we'll put you up way earlier in the show." So that tells me he enjoyed what I did. So, uh, and then I ended up going back to the comedy store and just kind of hung out in the in the OR, the original room, because that's kind of like the legend legendary room, and that's where I that's where I did my set. And it's a, such a it's an interesting thing because. They've got a little tiny original room and then the bigger main room. But the original room is like where Pryor and Robin Williams and all those guys did sets. And they do shows there every night. And the lineups are, you'll see Harlan Williams, Chris D'Elia, Brad Williams, uh, Eric Griffin, Jeff Ross, just like killers, Mark Maron, sometimes Joe Rogan, Burt Kreischer, Joey Diaz. Just these killer lineups, Sarah Tiana. 
just goes on and on. And then as the night goes on, you start getting people that aren't as well known. And then the last <laughs> hour or two, it becomes, there's a guy named Don Barris and he's been there for years and years and years. And to, I think he works for, familiar. I think he works for Jimmy Kimmel. I think he, he's known Jimmy Kimmel for like yeah. a long, long time. He worked with him on like the man show and stuff like that. Oh, the but man he, show. he just kind of, he kind of <laughs> takes over the show and becomes the host and brings up kind of the, the more odd people. Yeah. And they do weird things. They do find the new emo Phillips. Yeah, kind of it, it, but it's so cool to sit there and watch. And I stayed until two in the morning that night, just, just watching, just sitting there. And I mean, it had filtered out, like there was maybe 15 people left in the room and it was such, it's just so different from the beginning when there's nowhere to sit or stand. Was there anyone who stood out that like, was really memorable for you that like wow who's this guy i didn't or young lady i didn't see eric griffin when he was here yeah and he's killer funny holy cow he's funny yeah he stood out a lot and let's see who else did i see that stood out that i've i mean obviously harland and delia and uh, you know i i big time i came in the i came in the room the other night and gabe was watching harlan williams special and i I big time I'm like you know Travis knows. Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I never I didn't say hi to him after he was on stage just cuz I I was watching the show and Yeah. I did I mean it was cool to bump into people that I know though. Yeah? Yeah, like tons tons of comics that I know and it's like, "Oh, what are you doing here? Are you living here now?" <laughs> and I'm like, "No." And they're like, "Well, you got to move here, man." <laughs> so it it does kind of like plant that seed like, mm, "Maybe I should." You really are California dreaming. Yeah, I mean, I'm drinking a I'm drinking a green juice right now. <laughs> a smoothie. It's from Walmart though. You're wearing your Planet Hollywood shirt. You got those sunglasses that are just stars. Yeah, they're Elton John sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, I I thought it was a California thing. Turns out you're just really uh, you're really in for rock. <laughs> I read a weird thing about that movie. Um, Elton John has been famous for saying he, the John part of his name was, and I, I can't remember the name. The name is for a, some other, you know, famous British artist. Mm-hmm. The movie is changing that. Really? Like this is this is sort of the whole thing of like when you know when like Gabe or someone talks about like you know like oh man uh, you know uh, Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody was so good, Freddie Mercury was so cool. It's like okay, I mean. I, I, I love Queen. I think Queen's great. Mm-hmm. I'm iffy at best on like Freddie Mercury history. So how much of that stuff, like if I was to watch that movie, how much of it do I know is like this is the story of Queen and how much of it was like, eh, you know, the, here's the truth, but we want to massage it a little. Right. Like the, so in Rocket Man, instead of this person who really was the inspiration for part of Elton John's name, they're just going to say it was John Lennon. Hmm. That's weird, right? That is weird. Yeah. Why change it? Yeah. I was going to go by Travis John when I started comedy, but... Is that a true statement? Yeah. John is my middle name. Oh, okay. It's also my dad's name. But I thought it I thought it sounded better than Travis Tate. I thought Travis John. I'm trying to think of the funniest John that I could say was your uh, was your inspiration, <laughs> but I'm I'm blanking right now. I'm too much at the It would be uh, John John Henry is the Carpenter. first one I got, but John <laughs> that, that would be pretty good. John Carpenter's all John right. Denver. John Denver. Bob Denver. Denver the last oh, dinosaur. Bob Denver. <laughs> <laughs> the inspiration for your John name was like twice removed. 
because you know Travis Bob just doesn't have that same. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's yeah. true. So where were we? Uh, that was Monday night. Tuesday. Uh, I was going to go to the Laugh Factory and try to get on the open mic there. And they've got a deal where... Oh, your head, your head really got big after that. Uh, well, no, here's... the comedy here, store set. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It is a little bigger now. <laughs> it, it does change. No, that, it is, does, that is so awesome. Here, here's the thing, though. It takes it from this insane thing that I probably feel like I never could have achieved to like, oh, well, I can, I yeah, can that, actually... I was just. This uh, is achieve an achievable thing. Yeah, I, I I was actually just thinking that is like, was there maybe a part of it that on the way down, but uh, until you actually had a set, was there like any kind of sense of like, man, I'm I'm ready for this, but oh man, what if L.A. eats me alive, right. or what if I just get booed off the stage my first? Set? Was any of that sort of hitting you? And then after a set or two, you're like, oh, I I there there's a place here for me. It, at the comedy store, it happened so fast that I didn't even have a chance to get nervous, to be honest with you. Huh. Because uh, what they do is they have hundreds of people come to sign up, and then you sign up, and then like 10 minutes before they open the doors, they slap a pic- uh, paper in the window, and it's got the list of people that are on it. <sighs> and so... <laughs> and then they open the doors, and I, I saw that I was on it. Like You're like, you jile, you're like jaw on the floor or anything or are you just like oh good uh yeah like it, i was like in oh, that good. moment when you saw your name it wasn't like a shock it was just a oh good i actually saw it from way far like i was standing way far back because i ended up bumping into nick vaderot who who's been to to salt lake a few times with tj miller he's so funny and then uh francisco uh duran was there and he opens for mencia so i i've known cisco for like four or five years and i was just sitting there talking to him and when they slapped it on the window i could see my name and i was like oh cool all right <laughs> were you nervous for any of the sets or you just you know you've, you've been um, doing this for a while so i mean set i to set i'm not gonna say i wasn't at all nervous but i didn't have a chance to i at the comedy store of course when you're walking up there there was like this like wow this is surreal i get that it, it kind of felt like like it was a dream, but it also kind of felt deja vu-y. Huh, okay. You know, so it, that was comforting, actually. <laughs> so, Because somewhere in me felt like, oh, yeah, you've done this before. So that that actually made me feel good. And there's nervous energy, of course. Yeah. So it's not like I was like, yeah, I got this, or anything like that. It's just I didn't, there wasn't enough time for me to psych myself out, which is where a lot of like nervousness comes from, for me anyway, is where I start getting in my own head and saying, you don't belong here you're a fraud, you know, things like that. So I didn't have time to go through that whole rigmarole with myself hmm. in my head. So it was just the going up there and, and seeing the guy that books it, Adam Egit in the back of the room, that actually kind of, I was like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> this is, this changes everything. But uh, yeah, I was really happy with my set and how it went. So Tuesday, uh, the laugh factory has a deal where uh, if you sit outside and wait to get in line, the first ten people get an automatic spot. So I went wow. to I went to Dick's Sporting Goods and I bought a, a camping chair, L.A. Rams. <laughs> bought a hockey stick, and the <laughs> ten people that were in line didn't know what they had coming. Well, when I got there, I thought, "Cool, I'm seventh in line," and I got there like three and a half hours before they they open up the doors. I was like, "Sweet, I've got a spot," but right before they open the doors. Like four people showed up. 
and they're like, oh yeah, we left our stuff here. So that's not that's not how lines work. Exactly. I was so mad. I was so mad because I ended up being eleventh, and then the last ten people they draw names out. They do the yeah. the raffle thing, and I didn't end up going up. So that's, the the thing that's that not how, that's not how lines work. Yeah, that is was, not the whole point. Is the way you get in is your dedication to the crowd. Right. Because I the sat there de- for over three hours. Line. Yeah. If I my thing was if I got there and I knew that there was ten people in line already, I was going to go go do something else. Yeah. And then come back and just put my name in later. Yeah. Which is what I would have done, except that I sat there for three hours. That's what made me mad, is that I wasted my whole afternoon just sitting there like a, like a rube. What, what did they leave that was supposed to be their markers? One guy just left a water bottle. That's not how lines work. I wanted to fight Jake. but Why didn't you? <laughs> I should have. Because I, I, I thought, well, maybe I'll still get on, and I didn't, which, whatever. Could have fought him after that. But from now on, if I, I'll just show up when they open the doors and put my just, name in the bucket. Just show up and put a Ritz cracker on the concrete and say, well, Basically, my spot is secure. Because there was quite a few people that showed up just as they're opening the doors and they actually got up. Because hmm. it's a raffle. It's whatever, you know. I was just mad that I wasted my whole day Yeah, like a dumb I'm, ma- I'm mad for you. It, it wasn't even that I didn't get up in the raffle. But anyway, that's the way it goes. But then that night, I ended up going to the comedy store and hanging out again. And so cool, man. It's just so many killers. Like, you look at you look at uh, the lineup that comes to, to Wise Guys, and you're like, wow, look at all these really great comics that come to Wise Guys. But at the comedy store, they're there on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. Yeah, that's, that's what I've always said is like, if you're living in California, you just you have no idea the embarrassment of wealth. If you want to go to a club and see right. you know, somebody perform, and they're all doing twenty minute sets, working on stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's not even like yeah, we do. We have lots of great comedians come to Wise Guys, mm-hmm. but you gotta you gotta pick your shots. Right. A lot of them are gonna be weekends, things like that. Like, yeah, it'd be it'd be nice to just you know tumble in on a. Right. Average night and get to see a. It's crazy because it's a fifteen dollar ticket for the original room. Really? Yeah. It, is the main room is twenty bucks. Actually reasonable. Unless it's like a special special event. Like uh, there's a comedian named Paul Mooney that's been there forever, and he, he worked with Richard Pryor. Yeah, yeah I know Paul Mooney. Yeah. Okay, so one night when you I said was Paul there, Mooney, I'm like, is that the same guy? I'm thinking, yeah, Paul Mooney. Wow, cool. I think cool. it was actually Tuesday night when I was there. They were doing a special like tribute to Paul Mooney. So like Bill Burr was on it. I think Bill Bellamy was on it. Up in the night, there was there was a ton of like really famous comics that have been there for a long, long time that were all on that show. But uh, I ended up we went to a uh, show up in the belly room, which is the little tiny room. It seats like maybe fifty people. Yeah. And on that, at the end, there was Drew Lynch and Josh Blue who sell out every time they come to Salt Lake. I mean, like big name comics. Yeah, Paul. Paul Mooney is exactly who I damn thought he was. So that's cool. That's yeah. really cool. But yeah, it was it, it comedy store's fun, man. I I've kind of like I was always a little obsessed with it, now I'm really obsessed with it. Like <laughs> I just want to go there. Just want to live there. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to live there. That sounds like a good plan actually. There you go. Everything in there is painted black. Ooh. All of the toilets are clogged up with either paper towels or vomit. <laughs> See any girls walk by in their summer clothes? Uh, 
Not really. Everybody down there still wearing oh. coats. I imagine if you did, you'd have to turn your head until the darkness goes. Right. Well, the weather down there was similar to how it's been here. So it's been oh, like okay. like high 60s, something somewhere around in there. So down there, it might as well be the middle of winter here. Yeah, you... you People are wearing coats, man. Yeah, you got back here at a... <laughs> As the weather turned, there were a few, there was a, a run of some really good days. And then last week, it just turned back to not just the rain is, you know, I, I, I'm fine with the rain, but it's gotten chilly in a way that I am not comfortable with. I was standing around in shorts and a t shirt down there, like going, This is yeah. amazing. This feels so good. And people are like shivering and they've got goosebumps. They're like, <laughs> Yeah, the cold does bother me anyway. But uh, it, they lose the toughness when they move down there. It's usually a this. I mean, once it gets into the summer, once it gets into the good spots in the summer, like sixty-five degree. And, mm-hmm. You know, if I go into somewhere at sixty-five degrees, like oh, it's cold, and then coming out of the dumb winters, you know, that's that's like summer weather. Yeah, pretty it's much. Just what you're used to. So let's see what what day are we on now? Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, I went to a an open mic called Comedy Chow. It's in the back of a Cabo Wabo. <laughs> okay. That's the the Red Rockers. Oh, I, I am well aware of what it is. <laughs> Van, uh, what's his name? Not Van Halen, Van Hagar. Sammy Hagar? Yeah, Sammy Hagar's <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> I, like I can't remember his name. What was the Van Halen joke about him? Yep. Oh, yeah. Van Hagar. And uh, worst set of my life. Oh, no. There was at the first, the, there's two parts to this show, turns out. There was an intermission to an open mic. And the guy that hosted the first half, he was atrocious. I'm, I don't know what his name was. I'm just going to say worst hosting job I've ever seen. He immediately, there was actually people in there. They had like barked people in and people were sitting in there and he go, starts going after the crowd. Not Not good at crowd work. No, terrible, like crass and crude and like. Oh, I was like, what is this guy doing? And then he goes, yeah, now I'm going to do some material. And every open micer in here is like, oh, I hate when hosts do material before we go up. And I'm thinking like, no, that's actually the opposite, dude. People hate when hosts do crowd work and ruin the crowd. Yeah. So anyway, he's terrible. The guys that run the show, they went up and they all did like 10 minute sets and they were atrocious. And then uh, pretty much they go, okay, well, now we're going to switch hosts and the entire crowd, except for like four people, get up and walk out. And that's when they brought up me and Jacob, and we both bombed. And I especially bombed, because I was doing like brand new stuff that I wrote about just being in California that day. <laughs> like I went to the Griffith uh, Observatory earlier, and just like stuff like that, and it was like nothing. So the only thing I actually did that got laughs is I was like, yeah, I was just kind of sitting here... Uh, Remembering 10 minutes ago when we actually had a crowd and thinking, <laughs> ah, what could have been? What could have been? <laughs> Instead, this is what's happening. And then the the DJ accidentally started playing music in the middle of <laughs> one of my jokes. And I was like, this is very apropos. This is, the, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. So, yeah, worst set of my life. That's too bad. Two nights after doing really well at the comedy store open mic. Yeah. And take then the, the good, next take the, bad. the next night... Uh, was when I drove back down to San Diego and headlined at the Madhouse, and that was a blast. That was so fun. I the only regret I have is I forgot to take my uh, tripod in so I could record it on my phone. I wish I would have recorded it. Yeah, but because it was it was a lot of fun. 
forgot if I asked, did you record did you record any of your sets down there? No, I didn't record anything. I took all my gear and everything. I we were gonna do a podcast with me and Patrick and Jacob and I just spaced it. We were having fun. Hey, hey no it didn't dirt. get around to us. I didn't record anything down you there. You were in the moment. Yeah. They won't let you take pictures or record at the comedy store. They're pretty makes sense. So I knew ahead of time, like I was like, "Will you guys get a picture of me?" They're like, "Well, they don't. They kind of frown upon that." I was like, "All right, well, I don't want to rock the boat, so just don't bother." So I got a picture of the the sheet with my name on it, but not me on stage, which is fine, whatever. Yeah, sure. So then, uh, let's see. Friday, that was the end of me doing. Friday, we just hung out, uh, and then I drove home Saturday. But I, I mean, I got to see some pretty cool stuff. I drove up to the Griffith Observatory. And that's been in tons of things. It was in La La Land, I believe. It was in Rocketeer. It's been. It was in an episode of Agent Carter. They go up there, and it was a cloudy day, which is kind of bummer. And I had to walk a mile just to get up there because you had to park so far down. And then I got up to the top and turned around. I was like, "Oh, the Hollywood sign's been behind me this whole time," because that was the first time I saw the Hollywood sign. <laughs> I'd been there for like four days and huh. not seen it at all. What a weird. What an interesting landmark. Yeah, it is. It's a weird thing. We just built the we built the you know <laughs> our name in big damn letters and put it on a mountain. Basically. But Griffith Park is really cool. It basically is an entire mountain. You've got the observatory, you've got I think there's a there's a canyon and a lake up there. Silver Lake is up there. Um on the other side on the the Glendale side, that's where you've got like the LA Zoo and there's a Gene Autry Museum. That was closed when I went up there. The that Gene Autry fun. Museum. Yeah. And apparently they've got really good burgers in there. And L.A. Zoo. Uh, Have any good burgers at the L.A. Zoo? I didn't go in there, Anything but exotic? I went and got I went and got a map. My son Brady loves like zoo maps. He's obsessed with that's cool with you know the layout of a zoo and things like that. So I, I got I got him a map. But I mean they've got all sorts of stuff. They got train museums. You can go on pony rides and stuff. It's it's huge. But it was, it's crazy because you would be driving by things and I'm like. Oh, there's the uh, the Magic Castle. I didn't even know it was that. When we went to Comedy Chow, the 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 main positive thing I found about that evening, <laughs> despite the terrible set, <laughs> is uh, we drove by the John Wick Three red carpet premiere. Did you see anybody, or just saw? I just mean, no, like they a lot of lights and fans. Yeah, tons of lights. You could see Still the red fun. carpet, and they had partitions up, so you couldn't really see it from the street, but just paparazzi everywhere. Uh, just people waiting in line to get a chance to go in and see the movie. I think I yelled, we love you, Keanu. <laughs> I would have yelled, we love you, Halle Berry, but I didn't know she was in it at that point. You said you just barely watched John Wick 1. Yeah, I watched it last night. It was it was a lot of fun. How'd that feel? Pretty good. I mean, I, I basically knew what it was about, but it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I can see why why people went nuts did you for have, it. Did you feel like you had expectations going in? Did it meet those? Oh, or? yeah. It met the expectations yeah. for sure. Yeah. The first one, I haven't watched the first one in a little while, but the second and third one, the, the first one feels like this was a story we, we told. Right. And the second and third one are very much, okay, we've got, we're, we're blowing this whole thing up of this, Oh, really? Weird universe of uh, assassins. I do like like the continental, the idea of a of a neutral neutral place that they all go and like they, they can't con- and three conduct bu- business and things like that. <laughs> yeah. I always, whenever I see Willem Dafoe in a movie, I'm like, he's going to be a bad guy. So the last two movies, 
I saw with Willem Dafoe was Aquaman and John Wick. And I both times, through both movies, I'm like, but he's going to be a bad guy, right? And then both times he ends up being a good guy. Yeah. So I'm yeah, like, I could have been rooting Willem for him Dafoe this whole time, but I kept thinking he's going to be a bad guy. He's going to be a bad guy. A lot of really good people in those movies. Yeah. Uh, Ian McShane was in it. Uh, the guy that is the main bad guy, the Russian guy, he was in a Mission Impossible movie. Uh, he was talking a bad about, guy. Are you talking about Udo Kier, or are you talking about the the young dude from Game of Thrones? No, it wasn't the young dude. It was hit the young dude's dad. I think that's Udo Kier. Okay. Well, he was in a Mission Impossible movie. I do remember he's that. A, he's an insane actor guy. I like Is him. he? Yeah, he was good in that, man. Yeah. Oh, you'll like... Baba um, Yaga. <laughs> yeah, Baba Yaga. Uh, you know what? You got to see the other two. Oh, I, uh, my, my son has the second one, so I'll watch it. Yeah. And the I, idea is maybe we'll go see John Wick to get three together. <laughs> I, since I I'm liked... ba- I kept teasing him. I was like, since I'm basically a part of the movie, I mean... I, I was at the red carpet premiere. <laughs> I adjacent. Uh, I really liked the first John Wick and and got Gabe to watch it with me and he really dug it. So uh, two and three were both like opening night things that we went mm-hmm. like opening Friday or whatever. Right, movies coming on Thursdays now. What kind of animal goes to a movie on Thursday? <laughs> I would. <laughs> and you know, no different. We went and saw three on Friday and just had a blast. Those movies are so fun. They. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the to the next two. It was a there was a it was weird. I had a very bittersweet moment in the middle of all this crazy action violence. I was sitting there just loving, just just mouth open, just big grin, and it just occurred to me like, man, my dad would have loved these, and he never mm-hmm. even got to see a single one of these. We would have had yeah, so rough. much damn fun watching these movies, <laughs> and it just, mm. you know, yeah, that's had rough. a blast. But got, you know, got to go with Gabe. So I'm sorry, I interrupted your story. No, you just hit on that. I figured it'd be a good time to. So that was talk at the the premiere was at the Chinese theater. So I got to see that. The mall actually on one side was on. It was the east side was the Chinese theater, and then on the west side was the the Dolby theater, where they host the Oscars. And then directly, two theaters have to fight. <laughs> I, well, I mean, the Grauman Chinese Theater is like historical type of thing. And then directly across the street is the Hyperion Theater, which Disney owns, which is a pretty famous theater. So it's all these theaters, and then they're surrounded by homeless people and rubbish everywhere. Like Hollywood is messed up, oh, man. Yeah, they need to clean it up bad. Oh, holy try- cow. I've heard some real. I've heard L.A. downtown is even worse. Oh, I've heard insanely rough stuff about San Francisco with, with their uh, homeless population just pooping the street everywhere. Right. Like, I mean, there's a red carpet premiere, and then a hundred feet away, there's a line of people living in tents in front of an abandoned building. <laughs> like anywhere where people aren't going to shoo you away, there's a tent in front of it. All the way up Hollywood and Sunset Boulevard, I noticed. Hmm. So it's 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 pretty crazy. Rugged. It's pretty cool how close uh, the comedy store and the Laugh Factory are together. It's like a fifteen minute walk. Yeah. Because I ended up parking. There was a parking structure where there was like a Trader Joe's and stuff directly across the street from the Laugh Factory, and I ended up uh, just walking down to the comedy store and it's fifteen minute walk. Not a big deal. I'll tell you one cool thing they have down oh. there. We need here. We need Shake Shacks here. Oh, <laughs> I went to a Shake Shack on Hollywood Boulevard. I was, just, I was Boulevard. actually just going to make a joke about In and Out Burger, and no, I, I love In and Out Burger, but Shake Shack yeah. superior to everything. 
best burger I've ever had. And they have, uh, they have the, the really good, like uh, frozen custard, but they have this thing called the pie where they, they take frozen custard and they mash a piece of pie up into it. That sounds all right. It was amazing, Jake. Like amazing. It. I would like to try that. I have found In-N-Out Burger to be unbelievably underwhelming, but uh, I love it, especially for the value, because you can feed a whole family for like thirty-five bucks at In-N-Out Burger. Is that right? My, I got a burger, fries, and and the little uh, pie custard thing, and it was like twenty-two dollars just for me. Is this is Shake this In-N-Out or Shake Shack? That's Shake Shack. Okay, sure. Yeah, I'm all about it. But it was delicious. It really was. I got they gave me a little validation, so I didn't have to pay for parking. Everywhere you go, go in LA, you have to pay for parking. That's one thing I've learned. Mm. I have a secret. Uh, my buddy Patrick gave me a secret place to park to go to the comedy store, so I know where to park. Sweet. It's risky, but <laughs> oh. <laughs> park in John Wick space. What? I did. I didn't have any problems, but apparently I could have. Everybody's like, you should have got a ticket for parking right there. Well, good on you. So, but it was it was a fun trip, and I'm already like looking forward to going back down there. I'm really happy to hear that you had a good time, man. That's uh, I would cut the great. fat on some things. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't waste any time going to the open mics. Yeah, because I mean, obviously I would do the comedy store open mic again. Yeah. A hundred, a hundred times I would do that. There, there are open mics and then there are open mics. But these other ones where they're just doing drawings and stuff like that, I, I think I would just schedule, I think I've got enough hints and enough people saying, let me know when you come back and I'll, I'll get you some stuff. So I think I could probably line up some actual shows. You got any temperature on when you might go back or just right now it's a, a, a I don't know. I need to. I need to talk to my wife about it. But I'm thinking late summer, early fall type of thing. Cool. Before it gets busy at work, I kind of want to go to want to go down like right after Christmas too, because apparently it's dead. There's nobody down there. Everybody leaves and goes home. Yeah. So that could be a lot of fun. Too. You know, if if you're able to knock together the summertime one, maybe if that's really successful, it'll make more sense to do the Christmas one. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of I'm looking at. So it should be fun congratulations i, I want to do it like at least four times a year or something like that especially now that i have a place i can stay because i just airbnb but my buddies are like just stay with us next time so i could fly down and just rent a car the car would just give nice. me some freedom and then i wouldn't have to pay for the airbnbs that's cool so Very cool in hollywood i i was just here living my living my best life pulling for travis i was so, pulling for me too i don't got a time i don't i don't got like any cool stories like that i've just been watching a bunch of stuff keeping my ear to the ground <laughs> you know how it is i woke up in the middle of the night the other night and i was like I, where am i am i in california and then i started <laughs> thinking well penny's here so i'm not well did we move to california when did we move to california and i'm out of it when i wake up no i i, in the middle of the night. I get that I was confused I have been having some nightmare issues lately, mm. and there have been a few times that I've woke up and just, like, just be like, oh, thank God. Speaking of nightmares. Yeah. Stranger Things. Yeah. I just saw something about it, because it's coming out July 4th, right? Is it? Is yeah, it, it, it's I, coming out July 4th. I just saw a thing yesterday, and they're going to re-release New Coke. 
in a oh. partnership with Netflix. I don't remember what New Coke tasted like. We were eight when New There's Coke. There's a reason came. why this stuff goes away. This what everybody's like Crystal Pepsi. I loved like, Crystal Pepsi. Did you? I still drink it. It's good. How does it? I love it. They're okay. Uh, Whole Foods sells uh, like their store brand cola, and it tastes like Crystal Pepsi to me. So I will if I'm at Whole Foods, I'll buy one of their. There's just usually their store largely the reason why these things go away. I always loved Crystal Pepsi, so I'm excited to try New Coke because I don't remember it. Because I think everybody in my family, like my extended family, they were huge Coke drinkers. Is that like this season's th- Stranger Things? That's their cultural touchstone. Is everybody's talking about New Coke? It, maybe it's a part of the show. I don't know. It's probably around that time. It was 85, I think. So I, I don't know if I ever even tried it because I think my family was all so mad that they went away from the regular one that like they boycotted Coke. So I, I don't know if I even tried it. So I I'm excited. I don't. I only remember it as that cultural touchstone of it was rejected immediately. I, I want to say that Bill Cosby was the spokesperson hey, guess what? For, the, for New Coke. Guess what? In the 80s, there were toxic fans for Coke, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, there were. Was maybe <laughs> pitching it as New Coke instead of just like switching it and see what happens. But also, you know. We didn't. We didn't know. We didn't know about Bill Cosby. We were way. We were far away from knowing about. He was Bill America's Cosby. dad. He was America's dad. Now I'm America's dad. That's oh, what. That's what we came to the conclusion to. Y'all see. You see all the the Moby slash Natalie Portman stuff. Yeah, today? I saw that today. That's funny. How weird is that? Like. So he's telling. I, I didn't read all the way through it, but he's I, I he's telling people that they dated, and, and she's saying like, no. no. And there's like some weird. He's picture just of creepy. A, a way too young Natalie Portman with shirtless Moby. Oh, it's when she was young. It was youngish. I haven't looked too much into it, but it's that's even a few worse. of the comments I've seen is like I thought she it was, was like pretty, now. So it got me thinking about like you, you've seen the professional Leon the professional. I never saw it. I know of it. I just got thinking about because I, I I do like that movie. Jean Reynolds. There is definitely some themes in the movie about Natalie Portman's like fourteen year old character kind of. Trying to kickstart a that's, romantic I, relationship. I think that's why I didn't know. see it because I like I remember the trailer for it, and I remember thinking because I was a teenager it's, at the time. I think it's not a huge part of the movie, but it it's sort of like in it makes in me the movie, uncomfortable though. In the movie itself, it's sport. It's sort of supposed to be played off of like Jean Reno is definitely his character Leon is very uncomfortable with it and like kind of keeps her away for like, like right. no no we're not doing this no we're not doing this and right her character is like coming from a very traumatic past and traumatic moments in that movie. right it's like the, there's context to it in the movie the international version is a little worse that way and i watched it a few years ago and i had interviews with them and i think it was basan they were talking with it was like no no the the relationship between a woman that young and a man that that old in America, they they do not understand this. It is a very special thing. I'm like, oh, gross. A very special thing. Luke Besson, why is your accent going in and out like that? Like, no. It, what are you from Rome? Yeah, no, he but Rome like, oh, around and then I was the turn of the turn of the century. This Moby thing of and zero. Some of the people, some of the people talking about like, oh, Moby was a little old to be cruising. Someone, uh, there was a tweet where someone joked about like, oh, I'm great great this is bringing back my memories of the 90s where i had to like explain to guys that no natalie portman's too young this is gross and i got thinking about it, I'm like did i am i remembering that interview correctly and i got i looked it up and i'm like oh like luke Besson has spoken about how 
Leon, the professional, is kind of an allegory to how he got with his way, 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 way too young wife who, wow. like, he married. I And this is a little bit, it, like, I'm not all the way off. There was something like, I think they got married when she was, like, 15 and he was 29. You know what, Jake? I'm just comfortable, or I, I'm just thankful that this makes me uncomfortable. You know what I mean? It, like, heaven forbid somebody, like, that's the stuff. Like, that would be a horrible life to live. It's... The fact that it makes me uncomfortable, I'm like, okay, I'm lucky. I'm a lucky guy. It it makes <laughs> it makes me feel really weird about that movie, and by extension, The Fifth Element somehow. Yeah, I never saw that either. It's on. I want to say Prime. It's I thought about movie. watching it. I I can guarantee, Travis. I'll put money on the table right now that you will like The Fifth Element. It's one that I always meant to watch, but. Well. I mean, I've got so many of those. Jump on it. It's a Chris so Tucker money. classic. And yeah, I've seen Chris Kattan movies. You know, we all make mistakes. I've seen Blind <laughs> Fury, you know? I saw Corky Romano. I mean, well, I, I I've seen Sharknado movies. But uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, brief pass away with that. Uh, you know, I I watched that. I, uh, I saw it today. Orange is the New Black is having its final season, and it made me oddly kind of melancholy. I think I saw the first episode of that, and I was like, yeah, this, I don't think this was made for me. Uh, I liked I thought the first season was pretty interesting, and I think I liked the second season, and I believe it was the third where it kind of fell off for me. Mm-hmm. And then I heard little things about it, and who knows, maybe it got better, maybe it got worse, but... You know, it was a very specific time and a very specific thing for that was kind of the first thing Netflix did, like going out there and going like, we're going to make something of our own. Yeah. And to hear it, even if it's garbage and I definitely fell off because I I lost interest in it, like there's part of me that's like, oh, it's weird that they're closing this thing. Yeah. I mean, it's better than taking it too far and just... When people want to leave, you maybe know, they let have. Them go. I, again, I don't know. I'm not even sure how many seasons they have at this. I point. don't know either. Like I said, I saw the first episode. It, Laura Prep Prepon was was nude in it. So I yes, saw, I saw Kelso and Foreman. <laughs> and then I was like, Yeah, I don't think this shows for me though. <laughs> no, I. Uh, Can I it, tell you something crazy? I F- finish your please. thought. Go, no, finish your I, thought. I was just going to say it, it's just weird of. Every time I would hear a new season of Orange is the New Black, I'd be like, wow, they're still doing that? And now that they say, we're going to be done with it, I'm like, oh, do we have to? I don't watch the show and I don't care, but do we have to? <laughs> so please yeah. tell me your amazing thing. So third, the second Thursday I was, I was in San Diego, the night I headlined at Madhouse. I was standing there. They're getting ready to start a show. And I swear to you, I saw Bruce Willis walk by. I swear it was Bruce Willis. I'm 99.9% sure it was Bruce Willis. And this is why. Because uh, 100 yards uh, down the street on the opposite corner of the same block, uh, Michelle Wolf, who is a New York comic, yeah. she was headlining at the American Comedy Company that night. And I know that uh, Bruce Willis hangs out at uh, the Comedy Cellar in, uh, in New York. So I'm assuming he knows Michelle Wolf. So I'm assuming he was in, I'm looking for confirmation to see if he was actually in San Diego. You turn around and like shout, Bruno! No, because I was in shock. But I swear he was wearing like the pork pie hat like you see him wearing that in pictures. Like he was, he was he, just, he, he was kind weirdly, of, like this guy's 
walking down the street playing a harmonica. It seems he, weird. I wish he had the harmonica. But he, I mean, he's got like the Bruce Willis kind of like a five o'clock uh, white beard yeah. going on. But he, because it says comedy club outside, so he kind of looked up, kind of looked around, think figured out it was was not the one he was looking for, and they just kind of strolled. And I watched. I was, I was like, I swear that was Bruce Willis. I swear it was. Like he so could like have, he could have accidentally come if to you watch in your me. Mind, because you you were you know you bumped into you bumped into some people with with some juice. Mm-hmm. If you had like been able to confirm, oh, that's definitely Bruce Willis. Do you think you would have marked out, or do you think you'd still keep it? keep it in no i probably would have been weird about it yeah i even told the the guy brian that books it i was like i think that was bruce willis and if he comes back and says i want to do some time i was like feel free to take time from me because (laughs) i get it i get it i understand (laughs) but i swear it was him how many people look just like bruce willis uh maybe like eight uh, probably joseph gordon levitt no, he doesn't look like Bruce Willis you, at all. You, you not see Looper? No, I saw Looper. Okay, but he doesn't. He didn't look like Bruce Willis at all. They put. You seen that Will Smith trailer, where it's the basically Looper? Young. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't really do much for me. I know people are like, "This is the next evolution of face euthanizing." I don't know. That's not. I know that's not correctly. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. <laughs> I don't want to see. I don't want to see Will Smith euthanized. Nor do I. But they did make him look younger, and it looks weird. Like, it looks weirder than the genie, does I it, think. So does it look better than, say, what... Uh, I, I didn't really pay enough attention to that. Does it look, say, better than what Marvel does? Because Marvel stuff is pretty top tier on being able to yeah. euthanize people. I don't know how well the Michael Douglas stuff worked in... Uh, Endgame? Endgame. I think that was the hair more than anything. Could be. Yeah, it could my be. my my litmus because I get I get where you come from because it kind of felt false to me, but haven't seen it twice, like a like a professional. Yeah, uh, I've he, still only seen it once. I was gonna see, I was gonna go see it while I was down in California. I thought I'm I'm gonna be down there by myself. I'm gonna go see it, but I never did. I never You're did. Not a do professional it. like me. I got an oil change while invited. I was there, but I didn't see Endgame. <laughs> but yeah, the upon watching it both times, I'm like, this looks. I think it's just the hair. The hair doesn't seem right. Mm, could be. So, hey, that's just me. I do want to see that movie again, though. I need to go see it again. Yeah? Yeah, ever since I saw it, I, I was like, I got to see it again. I got nothing. I really enjoyed that movie. Like, I just... I think I think there there is just... There is something about most Marvel movies that it just... It has a great first experience, and then I'm just not really in the mood anymore. Now people are putting the memes out with all the spoilers in it, and it's just like... I don't know. I think memes honestly take away from the original content. I don't know. I, I've never been a big meme guy, and I think it takes pretty much zero talent well, to I'm share not, a meme. I'm not meme guy, <laughs> but I enjoy a good meme. And I think it takes talent. Creating a meme is one thing, but sharing a meme takes zero talent. Well, But there are people that share <laughs> memes and get like, followers following them because hey, they look, go man. and find memes look man i you gotta let go of things like that like you know following stuff on twitter and it definitely being the kind of dumbass <laughs> that enjoys getting a bunch of likes like i will i will look at people who are well known and look at it anything that they tweet and it's got like almost instantly got like you know four or five thousand likes and i'm mm. like that's not even that good but then it, <laughs> then number one what does it even matter but number two it's like 
you know, it's just. I don't know. It's it, just the way it is. Yeah, it's likes are stupid, man. Because I know people that barely even do stand up anymore, but they can just say, "My name is Frank," and they'll get like three hundred fifty likes in a day, and it's like, what? Yeah, but I mean, likes are just an extension of like, uh, likes are just an extension of like, likes are an extension of, hey, you go up on stage and the likes are people clapping, and I'm sure in, I can only speculate in comedy. There are people who go up on stage and do, you know, from a standpoint of someone who does a lot of comedy, you can look at this person who is ultra famous who goes up and does a pretty tame set but gets a lot of likes right. by a clapping. Just... And a lot of it is cheap. <clears throat> and you, you learn that, like, like people going, hey, give, a, give yourself a round of applause. Yeah. That's just to train the crowd and to start you... clapping realistically twitter twitter any social media whatever is no different there are some people that do punchline indicators like i don't i don't think i do it i mean i could be wrong but i don't think i do it because i have like different styles of jokes and not all of my jokes are exactly the same but some people have a cadence where it's yeah. like da 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 and then they'll like snap or move their hand out or pick up the the mic stand and slam it down or something like that. So people go, ah, <laughs> that's the thing. That's the thing that tells me to do this thing involuntarily. <laughs> I would even say that's really a bad thing necessarily. I mean, I'm sure there are people who are hack with it, but like, uh, you know, uh, I love that hamburger. I love that, that Bernie Mac, you know, you don't understand. I ain't afraid of you. Like he's definitely, <laughs> I ain't afraid of you. He's definitely mother's day is, He's de- and he's calling out to the DJ and stuff. Yeah. Like he's one hundred percent doing that, but he's doing it really well. But that in that situation, everybody in front of him was getting booed and just run off. Like that was a that was a hostile crowd. No, I'm and he not, went out there like, all right, here we go. You're I'm, gonna get it. <laughs> I'm not taking a, I'm not taking away from that at all. But what you're talking about, like doing joke indicators or punchline indicators, he's doing that. He's just doing it well. Yeah. So I'm that's all I'm saying is like, you know, maybe you do do it. But you do it well. You're not doing it. You're not doing it to uh, to cheap out on your act. Just the same way good old Bernie Mac wasn't doing right. it to cheap out on his act. Right. Uh, I was. I started watching this laugh in thing on yeah. Netflix. I only got like thirty minutes into it. It's kind of cool. I used to watch laugh in on Nick at Night back in back in the nineties. I really miss not being. I miss not quite being in tune enough to be able to watch a bunch of old stuff that I have no business at my not not like inappropriate just me right. like there's no reason why I should have watched as much I Dream of Genie as I did <laughs> I know why I watched I Dream of Genie because I dreamt of Genie inappropriate Barbara Eden was lovely certainly certainly especially for a young kid yeah she was gorgeous man you know like Bewitched uh I Dream of Jeannie, uh, Andy Griffith, any number of those. Like, Don't even get me started on Aunt May. Oh, Ooh-wee. no. I'm talking <laughs> about Aunt B. Aunt May is oh, yeah. Spider-Man. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. Oh, well, it's in there. I'm not but taking yeah, it out. Yeah, so do you... Like, well, Aunt May now is... Uh, yeah, Aunt May now is insanely hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, but uh, John Lovitz was in it. There's like a bunch of people. I noticed John Lovitz was in it. He was doing a segment. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I was never, I never really watched Laugh In. I guess <laughs> I was more of a hee haw kind of guy. 
I mean, it was very similar format. Yeah, that's just that's what for saying. different like, people. My my touchstone. It's not even like I watched a bunch of hee haw. I just that I, I caught it enough that that was more of my touchstone for that sort of format. I was just glad to see John Lovitz because the last time I saw him, when I opened for him, and I drove him to the hotel, and he had his dog, and he goes, Travis. If my dog dies, I'm going to kill myself because I can't deal with the sorrow. Wow. He's just so important to me. And I was like, wow. Uh, well, I hope it doesn't happen for a long time, John, but I do see a little uh, gray around his snout. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to look up uh, like a cast of Laugh-In, but I'll, I keep getting the last laugh. Uh, Lily Tomlin was in it. Uh, Goldie Hawn. Oh, is it still Laugh-In? Okay. Probably. I don't remember what it was called. Nope. It took me to Netflix. It was just kind of a tribute to Laugh-In. They've got a lot of old old clips in it. It wasn't exactly an episode of Laugh-In. It was more... No, it was a tribute. Like, it was in a theater, and they would show clips, and then they had a lot of current stars kind of mixing in with the clips, where they would do current bits in the style of Laugh-In. Almost a documentary. No. No, it was a live show. Was it live? Yeah, it was in front of a studio audience. Well, a theater audience, but... You gonna watch live Archie Bunker? <sighs> Probably not. I know, yeah, I of did... course you're not gonna. That's a dumb... That is... why, why would... I didn't like it when I... Like, all in the family. I can... I understand the social importance of it, but when I saw it as a kid, I didn't... It was above my pay grade, let's put it. Yeah. So it's not like I've ever like. It's more like to I go back and watch them. Yeah, it's more like I respect it and look at like right. who was in it and more, right. You know. And it was one of those things where, I, th- I think it spoke to people accidentally. Like I, th- <laughs> I think it resonated with racists, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's and that's sort of the. Kind of like Andrew Dice Clay's character. Kinda. <laughs> because that is a character. He's not really like that in real life. Isn't he? No. I've been led to believe that he's... Or at least he kind of inhabits that character most of the time. I think he's in character a lot, but he's not Andrew Dice Clay huh. in real life. But I think a lot of people like it because they're like, yeah, that's what oh, I yeah. think is cool. Yeah. Some people like it ironically because they're in on the that it was originally poking fun at super chauvinistic people, but a lot of super chauvinistic people like it too. Yeah, I think because it's <laughs> honestly part of why I've always never quite been able to get into like, you know, blue collar comedy type stuff is it's generally going to attract that kind of, that kind I of don't crowd. think, but blue collar stuff, if you've ever watched it, it's not mean spirited. I don't think it's mean spirited at all. And I think, I think actually billing ball, they're all actually good comics, but I mean, I, I they can't definitely. Get on board with Larry the Cable Guy, I just can't. Larry the Cable Guy's got some funny bits, and I, I've, I've never actually heard him talk without being Larry the Cable Guy. But I know enough people that toured with him that say he was a really great guy and you know really generous and stuff and like I, that. I think Jeff Foxworthy is a comic who. I think there was a time that I thought he was funny, but he just looped back so hard on himself that I. It's a it's a carrot well, top situation. Of well, here's the thing: is he became the thing that he despised. But I think that that has to do with the audience because that's what audience wants. They want the most basic, boiled down version of you that is easy for them to digest. And if you try to branch out from that, 
they like, whoa, what are yeah. you doing? You getting all hoity-toity? You a sellout? Kind of like bands. Like, play. You, you meet a band, or you, They're you just fall shouting, in love play with a freebird at him. Right. You fall in love with a band on their first album, and then they try to be like, branch out like U2 with pop. People freaked out when pop came out because it was so different than what they had done previously. And people like shut down, like, well, I guess I don't like U2 anymore. Well, they're when just did, trying to do something different. When did U2 do pop? They had an album called Pop. Well, I know. And it, was I mean, a, wait, wait, a, it was early 90s, like 92, 93. We were in high school. Yeah. I'm trying to think of... So it was like probably six years after uh, the Joshua Tree, yeah. which is what everybody wanted you 2 to be forever. They tried to do something different, and people were like, whoa, whoa, this is not, this is not what I love. I think people just have this basic thing where they they don't want it to grow and I'm, I'm not really a u2 fan so maybe you can speak more to it do you feel like pop was u2 so i think so, sometimes things like that the way it gets despised is some some bands genuinely just they do something that's not them and it, i think and it, it was it it shows a lot when they do it one of my favorite u2 songs is on there staring at the sun i love yeah. that song not the it's only a- one staring at the sun it doesn't exactly sound like that. I sound a little nasally. Yeah. Apparently, I have a stuffy nose I didn't know about till I just sang. I just don't know that. I can't think of any blinding examples outright, but uh, you know that I've definitely listened to bands that they put out. And I was like, man, this this is not you. I don't know why you're doing this. I think you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, because you or you could be like the Ramones that you always do the same thing over and over again, and then people crap on you for well, they never actually like tried to do anything, but. You know the Ramones thing. I, I I have always found the Ramones to be a very well respected band, and and I love the Ramones, but there are people who talk crap about them because I, well, yeah, they do the same. I like the, the Ramones. Same thing not, every song. I'm not a huge Ramones fan. The Ramones is a band that I put, tried to push a little bit on Gabe just because him learning guitar. I'm like, this is a band that's a you know if you're an aspiring guitarist, this is a band that you can go like, you don't have to be so good at it to make good music like. You know what song I get stuck in my head more than any other song in my entire life, probably? What song is that? Gina is a punk rocker. Gina is a punk rocker. Gina is a punk rocker now. <laughs> and it'll be like, it's going to be in my head now for a week. Because I just did like, that. The Ramones are like the Taco <laughs> Bell food of music of like, it's the same three ingredients. They just, it's just mix it around and somehow makes a new, uh, this is a, Cheesy Gordita, Blixkrig Bob. Right, but if they came out with like a, a Bohemian Rhapsody style album, people would have lost oh. their minds. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's the thing. We just wanted to brunch that, out, man. That's why that would not be them is because <laughs> they were never, you know, maybe, and again, maybe I'm not the best Ramones historian. They just were, they got by on a lot of three chord type stuff. Right. So if they were to bring out something that was really musically, like a, you know, like a, really musically diverse album it like it wouldn't be them yeah you know if if queen brought out a rap album it'd be like what are you guys doing i think if if uh freddie mercury had lived long enough into the 90s they would have eventually done a rap song <laughs> uh, you know probably gotten something <laughs> out there that was a little rappy but what are you gonna do it's like uh uh Dar- darius rucker Hootie. I I've never I've never had little, any I've never cared little. for Hootie, but when he he got on country, I'm like, it wasn't it wasn't a big leap though. What they were doing was very like southern rock, almost almost country. There was 
there was a, a twang in there with Hootie and the Blowfish. You know what I mean? Like him going, when he started singing country, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. No, I always thought, like, this isn't you. Just, uh, what do I know, though? To me, it seemed it seemed a natural progression because they were not, like, even, like, a, what was the other, better better than Ezra. They were a southern band, too. Hmm. Like, I always thought they had. I don't really know better than Ezra very well. They could have easily gone country as well. Look at them boots. Look at them boots. Gone country. Look at them boots. Man, I heard a lot of country music in L.A. That's weird. It is weird. I don't it's know really what the state weird. of country is right now, though, so. I ate a lot of burritos. There's that. <laughs> what is the name of that? That Billy Ray Cyrus collaborating with, like, a rap artist song. Or you oh, know I don't know. Or? I don't even know that one. I've heard it spoken of, and I, I can't bring myself to look at it because... Billy Ray Cyrus is... That's one of those things that apparently Billy Ray Cyrus has done this thing, and I'm like, that is definitely not you. You made Boot Scoot and Boogie. Go live in your Boot Scoot and Boogie room. That wasn't Billy Ray. Boot Scoot and Boogie was uh, Brooks and Dunn. What did Billy, Billy Ray, Ray was Achy Breaky Heart. <laughs> you know, potato potato. Don't break me till my heart. Don't, don't do my that. I know what it is. Heart. Don't do it. <laughs> Just don't think you don't understand. No, I like that he thinks his heart is a separate entity. <laughs> it might blow up and kill this man. Woo! Get the hell out of my house. I had a shrimp burrito that was really good. Well, I went to lunch with a with a comic That's down there gonna, that I've met, I Ellen Doyle. Ask, she get, took get me to lunch. Did you have any uh, real bomb ass food while you're out there? The greatest carne asada burrito on the planet, as far as I haven't had them all, but of the ones I've had, <laughs> is there's a little taco shop on Miss, Mission Beach. It's it's right across the street from the uh, the Belmont Park where they've got like a old school white roller coaster and stuff like that. It's just a little taco shop. Best carne asada burrito I've ever had in my life, and I had it twice while I was down there. Both times I went to San Diego, I went back. Where I live in Utah, in particular, it is it's more of a chore. It's not like I couldn't get more sort of uh, mom and pop shop type mm-hmm. stuff but it's definitely more of a chore than say when you're out in like california or somewhere like that where you know you swing a dead cat and you're gonna hit some really great little taco shop but it's not all great some well, of it's it good some of it is very pedestrian like you could get anywhere but this be. one is particularly great that's my tradition i've done it three times now i go i get one of those burritos i get one of the high makers i think that's how you say it high maker it's mm, I don't know what that is. It starts with a J. It's a it's like a tea. It's okay. almost like an iced tea, but it's fruity, like a fruity tea. You get it's like they sell it next to the horchata. You know those machines where it's constantly churning it through? Okay. It's kind of like a dark almost like purpley type stuff. It's it. really good. I love it. It's it's really good. They they have it at like uh, Costa Vida and uh Cafe Rio. They they have it there. Anyway, you get that you get the burrito, you go sit on the beach, you just stare at the ocean, enjoy the carne asada, put a little hot sauce on there. I even right, got man. some on one of my shirts, and I was like, that's not a stain, that's a memory. <laughs> <laughs> that's how good it was. <laughs> uh, I love it. That might be the name of this episode. That's, that's not, not a stain, stain a it's memory. a memory. Oh, well, <laughs> we'll have to find out next week. <laughs> so, so uh, Battle Cat's cool, right? Yeah, I say yeah. yeah. I forgot <laughs> and, about that. Well, <laughs> I saw that tweet the other day, 
And I thought, oh man, this is a cool story. And I sent it to you. And like right after I sent, like I hit like submit, I was like, oh, it's probably from that toy show. And he's yeah. definitely seen this yeah. already. But, I don't uh, remember them having swear words in the toy show though. It might have been like <laughs> that one definitely. Yeah, that one definitely had it. That is such a that is such a funny story about like and I, I That's how they came up with that toy line. They repurposed so many things. Yeah, and it, it's so it, it's so crazy because the fact were a that lot it of, worked is insane. You know, uh Transformers the movie setting aside, you know, how bad Hot Rod was, but right. the beginning of that movie where just Transformers are getting murked left and right was just <laughs> these were cold corporate toy decisions are like right. ah we just we need to sell more we're not we're, you know we, everybody's got we need some new guys everybody's got this character we're gonna kill a bunch of them off and make new ones I'm, did you ever do the thing with your toys where one of them gets hurt and another one goes hang on i'll fix you up and then you like go and you fix them up i have to imagine i did i did that so much hang on i'll fix you up you know that like voltron was just they merged two Japanese cartoons together yeah. and things like like the you should I, I definitely recommend that you watch that entire episode of the toys that made oh yeah I definitely want to that that was the thing I that's wanted the whole to, like everything in there is like what how many episodes are there of that uh there's like five there's G.I. Joe He-Man Star Wars Hello Kitty and Barbie I think man I do need to watch a few of those at least the Barbie one that's pretty crazy too because really? Barbie's based on uh like a, a nude doll from like Amsterdam that somebody saw one time. I, that's one that I wouldn't say is not interesting. It's just that doesn't necessarily interest me. It, like the marketing of it and all that. Like it, it, it was interesting. Hello Kitty a lot too. Hello Kitty talks about how in like in Japan, that kind of, I can't remember. There's a term for it and I can't remember it off the top of my, but like the little cute characters. Chibi? That might be it. Yeah. It's huge now. It's everywhere now. But before Hello Kitty came out, oh, really? it didn't exist. Huh. Hello Kitty like changed it. I think it might be went, Chibi then, yeah. It like opened something up in their imaginations and Interesting. now it's like it's, it's a, everything. It's their version of Funko Pop? A little bit, yeah. But I mean, Funko, Funko... Funko must be stopped, Travis. Funko's out of control. They have gained too much power. They're, look, man. They have Funko Pez dispensers now. I mean that that's not so bad. It's just a matter of like it was. A, I think two years ago I went to FanX and realized this 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 convention is forty percent Funko. It's not as bad as it was. Really? Honestly, yeah. It's just they don't have. First of all, they don't have the Funko displays. It's just dealers selling them now, and it's not as many. Funko. I just look at the same way that I'm getting a little. I'm getting a little twidge of like. With like Disney Marvel-y kind of things of yeah, I I appreciate these things, but you're making it so that everything that has to do anything with this has a very specific style. Like all the Funko, like Funko's cute and all, but you're get you're taking up all the properties that right. can't be used elsewhere, so everything just looks like a Funko, and it's like yeah, eh, it doesn't work for everything. Do you remember Mighty Mugs? They were before Funko. Uh, I have some Mighty Mugs. I have some too. I've got. Uh... Indiana Jones, Molaram, General Grievous, Darth Vader, Asajj Ventress. There might be some more. I've got. But a, I like the Mighty Mugs of, better. I think I've got a bunch of Marvel Mighty Mugs. So. I, I actually like the Mighty Mugs better. I think I've yeah. got Galactus Mighty Mugs. I have the Galactus Mighty Mugs. Yeah. yeah. I like. Galactus is one of But they of kind the, of went under, I think. If I have said several times, Travis, I cannot stop telling you that I like big dumb corny cheesy things and galactus is one of the peaks of that oh for yeah me. 
Oh God, I cannot. They, they, they're going to have to do Galactus eventually. I, I think that's, that's one of the things I was thinking about. I don't know if I mentioned it on our spoiler episode, but when they opened up the multiple universe things, I think that's how we're going to get X-Men and Fantastic well, Four. I think you've been gone long enough. I don't know. Did we ever get a talk about that? Like that's the crux. One of the cruxes of, uh, Spider-Man far from home is that, um, Mysterio is a multiverse. Yeah, character. I did see that. Yeah. That's, I was really under the impression that when Marvel was talking about it was the, the trailer that talked about that, right? Yeah, yeah. Because they didn't talk about it in the movie as much. They talked about it in the Spider-Man trailer that came out afterward. That's where uh, Nick Fury goes. Uh, at, when the snap happened, it opened up. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what was the like holes in the yeah. in the and universe? It's, or it's entirely like possible that Mysterio is a big liar pants, but when you know they had talked about okay, once we're done with endgame what comes next like we're starting over and it's gonna be vastly different i mm-hmm. assumed it was gonna be we're gonna like go lean heavily into cosmic and i guess it's looking like maybe the big focus is gonna be multiverse which is also pretty cool yeah everything has multiverse now though like everything even I mean, supernatural has multiverse. look man now. i'm gonna grandfather and marvel on like being you know very old school in the multiverse business. who did it first dc or marvel it doesn't matter yeah, it doesn't. In that, in that, in that, I, I give them both like, hey, multiverses. You guys, you guys, <clears throat> you can talk all day like, oh, everybody's doing multiverses these days. And if Marvel comes along and says we're going to do a multiverse, you go like, oh, okay, that's fine. It's not gauche. It's all about ball bearings. Ball it's bearings are the future. So, I saw the Supernatural finale before I went to California. Season finale? Yes, yeah, season finale. Oh, okay. It kind of Good. it ends in a huge cliffhanger. Like if you haven't seen it, I there's a part. Uh, there's a character named Chuck. He's actually God. Uh, he comes back no out deal. of the blue. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, Lucifer's son Jack. Uh, he basically has all the powers of Lucifer and stuff like that, but he's half human. But he lost his soul. There's this big thing. But anyway, uh, Chuck comes back because uh, Jack's going to be a problem. But then at the end. Uh, Chuck ends up killing Jack, and Chuck, Chuck kind of has a heel turn. I don't think it's Chuck. I think it's I think it's his evil sister. You think it's Loki? Kind of. She she could be Loki, yeah, sure. Yeah. But I think it's it's not really him. But it ends at a huge cliffhanger. Don't know how the final season's going to go, but I'm hmm. excited to watch it. You know what I found out that really bummed me out? What? Uh, Amazon is not going to renew the tick. Yeah, I did see a story I'm about really, that. I'm really... Uh, ben Edlin, the guy who uh, wrote The Tick and various cast members are out there trying to do a Save the Tick campaign because apparently <laughs> them passing on it doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't necessarily mean it can't go elsewhere. Right. I really hope it does. I feel like it's probably I feel like it's going to be a hard sell because I think it's They did two seasons, didn't they? Yeah. I think it's probably a little on the expensive side to make and it doesn't have real high visibility, which is just a It's it seems like the tick as a property has always been like people love it, but not enough people love it. You know and what it's I mean? A, it's like a every iteration. Hellboy is not entirely not like that. Right. But it, I, I think Del Toro's movies help people be a little more into it. But yeah, the tick, the tick is, it's just, yeah, it's a hard sell. Guy in a big blue suit who's kind of. Kind of dumb. Kind of dumb and innocent. <laughs> but, uh, man, it's it's really good. It's got a lot of heart. 
Oh, I'm the tick. It's got a lot of heart, Trav, and I hope it finds a. I hope it, I hope it lands somewhere else, but I'm not going to be surprised if it doesn't. Hmm. So, well, I mean, two seasons are terrible. Yeah. No, I mean, even honestly, like there's a lot of questions left. I think there's a lot of story. The biggest question that they haven't answered is, you know, what the tick is. There's a lot of talk about his origin, and the, he doesn't know who he is, and trying to figure it out. I mean, that's every single version of it: the cartoon, the the Patrick Warburton show. Was that was that stuff in there? Yeah. So maybe, and maybe I just don't know. Maybe that's just the running gag is they could do He's like just the tip twelve seasons and it would still be them trying to like we don't know what you are. What's your deal? Right. So I'd maybe have to dig a little deeper on that, like the Ben Edlin stuff, and see if or Endlin. I guess I don't know what his last name is necessarily, but uh, <laughs> I'd have to dig into the source material stuff a little bit and see if they ever if that is indeed just the gag. He's in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's one. Of, he works for Nova. You know. When oh yeah. When they're doing he's the, the whole lineup he's the, thing. What a what a dick or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Or what a bunch of losers or whatever. Yeah. That, or yep, what a bunch of him. a-holes. That's yeah. What, it is. what a bunch of a-holes. That is him. You're right. Yep, that's him. Huh. I'll be doggone. He's been in a lot of stuff. Just boy, they small really, parts. Boy, that was a weird. They're eventually going to do Nova. That wasn't the last we've seen Nova Corps. I would think they would probably. Yeah, they've got to do it. No, I'm surprised they didn't do more with it. There's nothing that, so long as they have the property rights, I'm sure nothing is out of like the question. There's there can't be anything that they look at and go like, oh, we're not going to do that, right? So, yeah, you never know. Well, we're at over an hour and a half. Should Holy we, moly! Should we wrap this puppy? Artichoke. Artichoke. Okay, let's yeah. let's wrap her up. I got this. So should we do Magic Mike? Let's do Magic Mike. Uh, since uh, since he's he's a good buddy of yours, and since you saw him in the Laugh-In, uh, I wanted to see if we could talk to John Lovitz. John Lovitz. All right. He remembered my name. He said, oh. yeah, he, he goes, I just want you to know I remember your name. I don't remember a lot of people's names, so you should feel honored. <laughs> well, there you go. So yeah, let's let's do John. Lovitz. Do you guys have any good particular chitty chatty or just just that just briefly kind I mean, of say hi thing? He actually like had a lot to say to me. To okay. be honest with you, like he would talk about going to dinner at Dana Carvey's house. He wow, that... he would talk about his rivalry with Norm Macdonald. He's like, I love him, but I hate the man. Hey, I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> if if uh... because they just poke at each other. They're like they're like brothers. Well, basically what Norm McDonald seems like the kind of guy that even if you're best friends with him, part of, and this is just a, a sense, like, Norm McDonald seems like the guy that, like, no one is safe. If you're friends with him, you, you got to love him. But any any interaction you go into, probably there's a little bit of nervousness because you know right. he's going to try and needle you. Right. <laughs> that's that's my hot take on Norm McDonald. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, he was an interesting guy, and he had a lot to say. It was, it was actually really cool. I talked to him about his his Subway commercials. Oh, yeah. And how they were... Because I loved them, but they were too weird for uh, Subway. Like, they had, oh, yeah, they had a big meeting about it. I think you told me about this yeah, before. They had a big meeting about it, and, like, a few of them didn't want to do those commercials anymore. But I thought... So they went back <laughs> so with they, Jared. So th- this is the company that... The, the company that did the... We like these subs. Commercials was like, oh no, that was Quiznos. Was that Quiznos? That was Quiznos. Yeah. Oh, well, rescinded. <laughs> no, the the Lovitz. It was just like people doing normal things, and then Lovitz would come on and go, Subway, eat fresh. It's weird. 
Brief pass away, though. Those Quiznos ones, how did those ever even happen? Uh, yeah, though, they were weird. They were the sponge monkeys, that's what they were called. Why were those even... Who, pa- <laughs> who passed on those? Who? What, like, ad exec looked at those and goes, we're going to put them out. I think it was originally one of those, like, early on YouTube type videos Man. that somebody just created and it kind of picked up some steam and somebody's like, yeah, I think that'll sell sandwiches. <laughs> So, all right. Well, let's let's get on to magic, Mike. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the magic words. Strawberry shortcake. Hello. Hey, John. It's me, John Lovitz. That's great inflection you've got there, John. Thank you. I'm is, classically trained actor. Is that something that you had to develop, or like, did you? It, was it due to an accident? Did someone pour toxic waste on you and you all of a sudden had that inflection? Interesting that you bring that up. When I was a child, I was climbing up a crabapple tree, or as we called them in my hometown, a crabapple tree. I'm from Springfield. Anyway, I was a critic there for a while. You, oh, may, have, you may have heard me. But as a child, I was climbing this crabapple tree, and some bullies came, and they started shaking the tree, and I fell out of the tree. And I hit the ground, and that's when I began to talk like this. Wow, that's a harrowing tale. It was very scary. Man, thank you for reminding me that the critic was a thing. I really liked the critic. Thank you. It stinks. You're the one. Boy, you know what? The, the, the critic never got the critical acclaim it deserved. Agreed. Really cool I tell people every day how amazing it you was. You shouldn't have to. It was really funny. It was before its time, Jake. Good, par- good parody, and you got to... Uh, you may have been... I wonder if you were the first major crossover with The Simpsons. You got in there before they finally they finally gave up the ghost and did Family Guy stuff. I just never understood why they made the character so unattractive. Ah, uh, yes. You are. He was a- obviously based on Danny DeVito and not you- John Lovitz. You are a handsome gentleman, John. I am a dapper son of a gun. Ah, boy. Yeah, of, that's the ticket. Lot of, yeah, a lot of late nights while checking you out. You were one of my favorites of that SNL era. Thank you. I did genuinely. The like liar. You were the, you were the dark horse of the uh, SNL. Everyone crowd. rooted for Lovitz. I certainly did. I was always in your corner. Dana Carvey? Slightly funny. Norm MacDonald? Eh, give or take. Mike Myers, talented, but he's no John Lovitz. I am now considering, like, what would a what would a John Lovitz Shrek be like? It would go a little something like this: Donkey, get out of my swamp. I. <laughs> it, it's funny because it would. You know, I was going to say, can you do a Scottish accent? But I realized the only reason Shrek had a Scottish accent is because literally that was that was Mike Myers at the time. Right. I could try a Scottish accent. Donkey, get out of my swampa. How, how I think was that came it? through a little Italian. <laughs> well, my mother was Italian. My father was Scottish. Try your Scottish accent, but say, that's a spicy meatball. That's a spicy meatball, donkey. <laughs> okay, yeah. No, it's spot on. You got it. You're I am the critic, in, and I give it two thumbs up. You're practically in Braveheart right now. That's right. I'm going to lift my my kilt. <laughs> Whoa, hey. What do you think of that? A lot of, a lot of floppy wieners in there. Wow. Well, I mean, I, I carry spares just in case. You carry a spare wiener? 
Several. You know what, John? I'm Lovitz? in Hollywood. You don't understand. I don't. I don't at all. I live a different life. I can only imagine. I'm John Lovitz. You are still That's John Lovitz. That's the ticket. It is the ticket. I'm just. I'm sorry. I'm in a repeat loop right now. Um, uh, tell me, what was Gina Davis like? Gina Davis, what a catch. Yeah. I loved working with her. She was one of the biggest stars in the world at that time. Hang out with Madonna much? Very talented. Madonna. One of her better cinematic performances? I agree. I think it's because she was working with me. Yeah, you guys I had I kept a giving chemistry. her pointers. I was like, Madonna, don't look directly into the camera. That's only for music videos. <laughs> Also, put down that Sprite bottle. Easily had more chemistry with her than Sean Penn in any of their on-screen performances. Sean Penn. What an actor. Yeah. Is, He's is never he? worked with me. Have you? Uh, I've, I don't know if I've ever seen him. I can't think of any Sean Penn movies that I've seen off. Fast Times at Ridgemont never, High. Never seen it. Never seen it. Great movie. Phoebe Cates. Uh, what a catch. Oh, uh, boy. That's how I describe women now, because it's the Me Too era. Well, John, I used to be way more descriptive, and I talk about their haunches, but now I say, what a catch. What a catch. Speaking of what a catch, how did you feel about when you what a catched the uh, script for Mom and Dad Saved the World? Well, the funny thing about that is I was pretty much up for doing anything. I had seen some of my friends like Phil Hartman and Adam Sandler go out and do some things in movies and have some success. So I thought, I'm the best actor of all of us. Surely it's going to work out. Well, that one was a misstep. You think so? Well, as a critic, I would go, it's Dunk. Oh, I think you're being too cruel, too hard on you. I was great in it, however. I I don't doubt it. I mean, it was it was probably something that was like tailor made for your specific uh, kind of personality. I mean, when you think who could save the world, who else do you think of besides John Lovitz? <sighs> Eat fresh. You know, I I want to see a I want to I want to see Hobbs and Shaw, but we'll we'll kick out the. We'll kick out the uh, Scottish guy. Is that what he is? I don't even know if that's what he is. I think the British he's a guy. Cockney man. Yeah, we'll kick out the Cockney guy, and instead it'll be John Lovitz in The Rock. That would work. We could do twins. Yeah, that, sure. I'm obviously the handsome one, and The Rock is the ugly guy. Indeed, Rooney. Duh. I think that would work out. What's next? Uh, what's up next? I'm for writing John it right now. I'm Are writing you? the twins remake with The Rock as the ugly guy, of course. Oh, besides that, uh. John Lovitz has a very available schedule. I'm looking it up. Are I'm you making some... a movie? I'd be happy to be in it. Uh... I'm touring the country doing stand-up. You know what? Do another do another tour when you get back. We'll see if I'm if I figured out my uh, filming schedule. Did you know that I can play the piano as well? At the end of my shows, I do a really really heartfelt mean song about Bob Saget. Is that true? It's a hundred percent true. I don't know if you're messing with me. I'm right an amazing now, piano player. Most people don't know that, but it's true. And my song about Bob Saget, it'll get stuck in your head. I've heard people refer to you as the Victor Borgia of uh, of John Lovitz's. <laughs> no, people call Victor Borgia the John Lovitz of the piano world. Ah. Can you do the thing where you, you're playing like the but you're playing it backwards and then you turn the sheet around and you play it forwards? Uh, who do you think taught him that? Ah, 
I invented that move. I'm just mining now everything I remember from that Victor Borgia. I do it with my feet. I never knew who Victor Borgia was, but he got one of those like those like summer jams hits commercials like Victor Borgia, all the hits, the yeah. That's where I learned about Engelbert Humperdinck. I'm sorry, John Lovett. I had a Victor Borgia moment. That's we all do eventually. Did you ever meet Victor Borgia? (laughs) Victor Borgia is my father. So no, I never met him. Your real name is John Borga? It's John Lovitz Borga. Oh, things were finding out today. Uh, I'm looking at your. Uh, I'm looking at your filming schedule. I don't know. I don't know. It's so hard to tell. You're in Benchwarmers two, in twenty. You're in Benchwarmers two this year. Finally, Benchwarmers two because the guy from Napoleon Dynamite needs to be in another movie. I couldn't pick that guy out of a lineup. It's Rob Schneider. It's <laughs> it's John Heater. Were you in the Grown Ups movies? I'm in all of the Adam Sandler movies. Don't be silly. No, I, like yes, I'm in them. I, I've never seen them. I, I was in seen. Little Nicky. I played. Yes, I played a creepy guy that looked into windows. That doesn't I don't sound know. Like you. I was very acting in that. Did you kind of take over the Buscemi role? Yes. Okay. I just said I remember Buscemi being the the, the killer guy. He was in Billy Madison. He's in Billy Madison. Yes. I watched Happy Gilmore the other day while I was drunk. It was great. <laughs> I'm sorry, John. I'm just trying to think of more. Like, you, you had bit parts in so many things. Because if I took over the whole movie, there wouldn't be enough movie left for everyone else. You're just one of the more valuable things as a character. Yes. I mean, I already touched upon I'm it. I'm like, like salt. A little bit goes a long way. You were, you were an amazingly memorable part of A League of Their Own. I tried. Your reference to giving the wife the old pickle tickle is something that will always stick with me. <laughs> there you go. What a catch. What a catch indeed. John, I'm just going to invite... I'd invite you to... Please, would you would you head back to the Phantom Zone? But I hope you have a great journey back there. I will. And I'm going to stop at Subway and eat fresh. Oh, it's too weird for yeah, us. Yeah, that's Here, the ticket. No, John, it's too it's too weird. We Bye, can't. everybody. Why am that's I doing the this ticket. voice when I'm clearly staying here? I'm back. Oh, okay. How, how was John Lovitz doing? He was a real nice guy. Oh, good. I like John Lovitz. Oh, I that's really, good. I really genuinely have always really liked John Lovitz. He's a good dude. From, uh, he really I is believe a good dude. My first you know interaction was him on SNL, and I was just thought he was a really funny guy. Even though I don't know that he did a ton on SNL, he was just one of the guys that was, he always added when he was there. Yeah, he yeah. Was, he was always an addition. There were the heavy hitters, and then there were the. At least I remember from that era, there were heavy hitters, and there were three or four people that they were great, but they weren't in a lot of stuff. Probably the heavy hitters, uh, Myers, Carvey. Yeah. Sandler, kind of? Spade was a, a heavy hitter-ish, but he was one of the ones like... Farley. He was, he was good, but he was, he was in seemingly less stuff, I thought. Farley was huge. Farley was huge. Uh, the guy that wasn't there very often that I thought was great on Saturday Night Live was George Went. Yeah, he was only on a little bit here and there, like was, like the Chicago was, stuff. Yeah, that's all he ever did. <laughs> and Phil Hartman. He wasn't an SNL cast member. We'd be behooved not to mention Phil Hartman. Yeah. Oh, Phil Hartman was the best. I love Unfrozen Phil. Caveman Lawyer. And that's the thing is, uh, Phil Hartman was Phil Hartman was genuinely the dark horse of SNL. Of like, he was one of one of if not the best person on there, mm-hmm. but he wasn't what was really considered one of the huge stars of right. It. Like. How come Phil Hartman never... I mean, I guess like he had a... What was the one with Sinbad? Was it House Guest? Yep, House Guest. He was kind of the star of that. Was he in House Guest? 
I know he was also in Jingle All the Way that Sinbad was in with Arnold. Sinbad's a, I think. Who was the who was the kind of heel? I thought it was Phil Hartman in House Guest. Maybe it's maybe it's not. I'll have to look that up. It might be. I don't know. I've never seen House Guest. But I have seen Jingle All the Way and Could Phil Hartman like hits James on Rita Brolin Wilson or in that. Something like that. Rita Wilson also in the the Laugh In thing. Yeah, that is Phil Hartman. Okay. Okay. So he's worked with Sinbad a few times. Yeah. And he's the headliner on that, but I don't I don't feel like that's a real I don't feel like that's a real uh, Phil Hartman vehicle the right way. I, I, you know who? I'll, I'll bet Phil Hartman would have been a really good dramatic actor. I think so. I think that was the the deal. Is he is an extremely good comedic actor, but it's really hard. I think his acting style would be really hard to craft a really good leading role for him. Well, he was he was like the straight man. Yeah, like the. Like even unfrozen caveman lawyer, the, God, I love the whole the premise of it it was so silly. But he wasn't being silly. He was like, "I may not understand. I'm just a caveman. I may not understand your electricity and things." Like it it was it was funny, but it wasn't like <laughs> it was it, was it wasn't delivery. Fire Marshal Bill with Jim Carrey oh on. You know what I mean? Was that ever good? No. In Living Color, how much of In Living Color aged really poorly? Probably all of it. Like all of it? <laughs> Probably. I mean, it, just like... Living- I'm not even talking about, like, the, the sensitivity of it. I am I think, like... Was In Living Color the one that had Handy Boy? Handy Man. Yeah. Was it Handy Man? I thought it was Handy Man. Handy Man. I, I do still like uh, Homie the Clown, though. Homie the Clown, I, I don't think was necessarily... I, I think Homie the Clown was, was pretty okay. Homie yeah. the Clown was funny. What was the one... I don't think it, I think it might have been Mad TV, but it was like Grandma the Clown. Oh no, that was uh, that was the Dana Carvey show, <laughs> where this old grandma just dressed up like a clown and she comes in with a walker, and she just like stares at the kids and sits down. It's so weird. That sounds okay. That sounds okay. Yeah. If you ever get a chance to watch the Dana Carvey show, check it out for sure. And also Phil Hartman, R.I.P. There, there's a there's a documentary on Hulu. I had to have mentioned it before. It's called uh, Too Big to Fail or Too Funny to Fail or something like that. And it's all about the Dana Carvey show. It's I got Steve Carell and up, Steve yeah. Colbert in it. It's so funny, man. Dana Carvey's one of those that... Dana Carvey probably... I don't know. I don't know. Dana Carvey, in one in one hand, I would say Dana Carvey probably should have been able to do more stuff. But in the other hand, like you could say that about Mike Myers, and Mike Myers definitely got to do too much. Yeah, my one of my favorite sketches is Massive Head Wound Harry. I remember that. Oh my God, that was a weird one. Dana Carvey just shows up to a party. Oh He's my God, he's got a huge a head one. wound, and he goes. I'm feeling a little tired right now. I'm going to lay down on the couch. And he, he lays like down. He put his head in the popcorn. It's a white... Yeah, he puts his head in the popcorn. It's a white oh couch. He puts his head on the couch. And he's like rubbing blood all over that it. That was a weird one. And then the dog comes over and starts chewing oh on the wig. Oh my God, yes, you're right. Oh! And I guess I guess oh this, no. was a, this was an ad lib. But he goes, he must smell my dog. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good ad lib. Anyway, we're uh, we're at two hours. Sorry, <laughs> we haven't seen each other for like three weeks. So yeah, we got to. We went a little up, long. So we can go make out, and we had zero things to talk about. That's the really fun. We didn't even talk about Robert Pattinson as Batman. Uh, Real quick, let's just hit it. 
I think he'll be fine if, if it actually happens. I've seen him in other things, and I think he's a perfectly good actor, and I think he'll be fine. I, I am of the camp of what makes a good Bruce Wayne, what makes a good Batman. Yeah. A face. Basically. The only person the only person I've kind of felt in a while that I think it was a mistake not to at least try is I think John Hamm would have been a great John Batman. Hamm's jaw alone would have been a great Batman. If you say what is what is Bruce Wayne supposed to look like, in my mind I think John Hamm kind of encapsulates yeah. that. But even yeah. the, even even that like you look at comics, Bruce Wayne as a character is a very generic jawline white guy it's too bad they didn't get john ham 10 years ago and in the bat suit in the bat suit it just doesn't matter so yeah i'm everything that i hear about robert pattinson is since twilight he takes a lot of really interesting roles and he's a pretty good actor i haven't seen any of them but i've seen a few things and i was like there was a couple times i didn't even know it was him and even even twilight like sure that's fine that's fine let people like twilight that and that right. and that's what it boils down to like the people like not robert pattinson is the people who are like you know how long ago those movies were? Right. I mean, I like the Highlander. I like I like ridiculous things. So who Twilight's ridiculous, but I like a lot of ridiculous things. So like why not? Can, I like the Cannonball Run. <laughs> I love Cannonball Run. Give me Jack Elon as Batman. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we we should we should Okay. Up. So, uh, you know what? If you want to reach us later to the Tater at gmail.com we're looking for you out there people i'm at travis tate funny on all the things so follow me jake underscore doll on twitter uh i am not very good at that but hey still there if you want it (laughs) uh if you've enjoyed this this wonderful retrospective uh please subscribe to our podcast download when you can please give us a review give us give us those stars tell your friends and family tell your wife tell your kids Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Don't hide them. Keep them in the room for listening to this show. Uh, Blue Wave Theory does our music. We always appreciate it. Uh, yeah, they play it every time. Fresh. We're in there in the studio. It's with not a right recording now. at all. They're here. Yeah. Get used to it. So for Late to the Party with Travis Tate, I'm Jake. And I'm Travis Tate. So tan. So happy to be home. But also can't wait to go back to L.A. But... You know what? Better Tate than never.